Hey, before we get started today, I wanted to mention that today's show is sponsored by Geico. Do you own or rent your home? Sure you do. And I bet it can be hard work, but you know, what's easy bundling policies with Geico. Geico makes it easy to bundle your homeowners or renters insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing too, because you already have so much to do around your home. Go to Geico.com, get a quote and see how much you could save. It's Geico easy. Visit Geico.com. That's Geico.com. And we thank Geico for sponsoring this very special edition of 83 weeks. Dropping in this week to update you on a happening over at adfreeshows.com. Yes, I'm sure you've heard of it by now, but what you may not be aware of is Conversations with Conrad, a special series hosted by the Podfather himself that includes wrestling royalty, key decision makers in the wrestling business that rarely sit down for interviews But our guy, Conrad, he sprinkles that magic dust and is getting it done. And if you haven't heard, last week, part one with Jerry Jarrett was made available exclusively at adfreeshows.com. Check out a sneak peek. Jerry, I've run across a guy down here who plays bass guitar. But he's got the best looking body I've ever seen. Long blonde hair. Now he's getting a little thin, but you can dress him up. But if you can make a wrestler out of him, you can make a fortune. So I said, send him up. So sign up now to hear it all over at adfreeshows.com and get caught up now because part two is on the way next week. Plus, you'll gain access to the exclusive sit-down interviews Conrad has already conducted with both Jim Hurd and Jim Crockett. It's hours of content you won't find anywhere else, available on both audio and video, not just a Zoom screen either. It's fully produced video with pictures and images of the stories that are being told. So sign up today and begin enjoying all the perks of your membership immediately over at adfreeshows.com. recognized symbol of excellence in sports entertainment. Hello and welcome to 83 Weeks with the man, the myth, the legend, Eric Bischoff. Eric, how are you doing this week? Man, do I love that open in the StreamYard thing. This is that was really cool. I dig the hell out of this. Nice yeah, no, work. You and I are uh, recording on a little different platform this week. Uh, we're doing a watch along, and we'll get started with that here in a minute. And I think this will help us watch it together and stay on point, not lose it through the internet. But uh, how you been? How's your week been, Eric? Uh, it's been uh, it's been really interesting. You know, my life has uh, has changed dramatically over the last four or five weeks in a very positive way, and. There's a lot of exciting things going on, none of which have anything to do with the wrestling business, by the way. So I'm not teasing anything. Um, and I'll talk more about it in the weeks and months to come. Oh, can you hear my phone? I didn't. Oh, uh, I love when my when my phone, you Let's know, when it. I get a message or something like that, 
I have my um, notification to set to like it's a duck. <laughs> do you hear that? Yeah, I do. I love that. It just always puts a smile on my face when I hear ducks quacking. There's something, something about it. I don't know. Uh, but no, there's a lot of stuff going on, and I'll talk more about it in the weeks to come. But like I said, none of it has anything to do with wrestling or movies or business in general. It's just life, and it's good. Well, Eric, I, I know that I've been catching up on roads to the top and I saw the episode recently with you on it. You're everywhere. You're talking to Cody Rhodes at the bar and you're on that show. So that's been good to not only just see you involved here and there in wrestling, but also a little bit of involvement in that show as well. Yeah, that, that show, it's near and dear to me. My, my daughter, um, Montana, who works, uh, she's a director of development, I think is her title at shed media, which is a Warner owned company. And my daughter was really from day one involved in developing that show and, and really nurtured it through the entire process, uh, and getting it up on TNT. She, she was the one that suggested the showrunner, the guy that's actually basically producing that show on site. Uh, so because of her involvement, I think her credit is a consulting producer, but she deserves a she deserves a lot more significant of a credit than that, but she's she's happy with it. So because of her involvement, um, you know, I, I have a, just a a bias already, and and obviously because it's Cody. You know, I've known Cody since he was a kid, and his dad was a, a friend and to a degree a mentor in many ways. Um, so it's just it's very cool, and I'm happy for for Cody and Brandy and, and everybody. And I think to drink teal, mark my words to drink teal is going to end up with her own show out of this. It's just a prediction. I don't have any inside information. I'm just giving you what my gut tells me is going to happen. I, uh, Eric, you, I agree watching that show and seeing her personality and how she is on TV. She was made for that format of television. Unbelievable. Um, she's, she's great. She's entertaining as yeah. hell. I love and the chemistry between everybody, you know, there, you, you can sense the tension between her and Brandy, you know, which is common, you know, in, in families often she was very protective of, of her family and the Rhodes name, but it all, you know, there's so many great characters. I love seeing Michelle, uh, Michelle Rhodes, Cody's mother, you know, she looks the same as she did 25 years ago when I bought my, I bought a house from her. She was a real estate agent in Atlanta and she sold Diamond Dallas Page his house. And then shortly thereafter, months, I guess, a year, perhaps, uh, when I was looking for a house, naturally, you know, I was able to, to give Michelle a call, Lori and I did, and we bought our house through Cody's mom. So it's just, there's a familiarity to it, I guess, even though I'm not really involved anymore. but just seeing people that I've kind of had a lot of experience with growing and getting this opportunity is just awesome. It's nice as a fan too, to see, you mentioned Michelle happy and thriving, you know, yeah, and we, we don't get to see her or really that side of it. We knew dusty passed several years ago, but now we're getting to see her living her life now, new grandchild and seems to be happy and doing well. And so it's fun. I think as a fan to get to see that perspective a little bit too. So Definitely enjoying it. It was fun to see you on the show, but there's a lot going on 
in the wrestling biz as normal lately, and this past weekend was no different. We had a little bit of head-to-head action on Friday night. Tony Khan came out and said, hey, uh, you know, we're ready to go up against you. You want to challenge us? WWE SmackDown did a little 10 to 10.30 half-hour overrun for their show, which went over into Rampage, and Tony Khan said, bring it on. We're ready, and not all the numbers have come out yet. Uh, there was the national number they were talking about a little bit, and uh, obviously WWE was a little bit ahead, but, man, it's uh, it's picking up. There's a lot of action going on in wrestling. Dynamite was on Saturday night. We're recording this Sunday, uh, but wrestling is off and running, and Tony Khan is not afraid to back down from a challenge, and and it's it's it's, it's, well, it's you know, I want to talk about that a little bit, you know, and I, I'm going to be careful here because I know how, you know, the internet wrestling community um, can interpret or misinterpret or in some cases twist and turn things so that they sound different than they were intended to. So as I respond to this, I'm going to be careful. Let me first say that I am pulling for AEW to be hugely successful. I am a supporter of AEW. I am, even though I'm not involved, I'm grateful that AEW is doing well on TNT. There's a lot of things I like about AEW. But some of Tony's con- Tony Khan's comments this week, I think are a little, they're not doing him any favors, let's put it that way. You know, and, and I think it's cool that Tony, you know, responded. And AEW responded to the fact that WWE, you know, did a half-hour overrun, you know, to, to challenge, I guess, AEW as their show started, you know, at 10 o'clock. I, I like that. I think that was great. I would have tried to do the same thing. So I have no criticism for what Tony's doing, but I think some of the things Tony is saying, it's not a good look, you know, and to come out and predict as he did that AEW is going to outperform. Now, keep in mind for all of you people that are out there that are focused on ratings and demos, which is nothing wrong with that, by the way. Um, I am too. But nobody's putting anything into context. Everybody's so ex- the, the wrestling audience wants there to be a legitimate Monday Night War version 2.0 so badly <clears throat> that they all kind of participate in what I call cosplay competition. And Tony came out, you know, predicted that AW was going to defeat SmackDown. Well, there might've been a reason to suspect that that could happen given that TNT is as a cable outlet light years ahead in terms of viewership than Fox Sports 1, which is a second-tier cable system. So the fact that SmackDown moved from Fox Network, where they typically are doing 2 million plus, 2 million two plus viewers every week, compared to AEW's million or million and change. Um, but now that, you know, last week or this week, as, as SmackDown moved over to Fox Sports 1, a secondary cable outlet, where AEW was on TNT. 
So one might hope that just the, the, the difference between those two networks and the amount of people that actually watch them, or in many cases, are even aware of Fox Sports 1, um, that there might have been a shot. But to come out and predict that AEW is going to defeat SmackDown on FS1 was a bad choice. Now, the Fast Nationals did come out. SmackDown delivered somewhere just under 800,000 viewers. AEW delivered just under 600,000 viewers. Not a good look. And you say, you know, when you said, oh, WWE, you know, slightly outperformed AEW, it wasn't slightly. It was to the tune of about 30 or 35%. That's not insignificant. That's not slight. That's very significant. Even more so, and I think it's a bigger statement, that that all happened on Fox Sports 1. So it it didn't do an AEW any favors. It may have, you know, on the internet, because you have such a strong, you know, small but loud um, audience there on the internet that just thrives on this stuff and has fun with it. Again, not being critical, it is what it is. So you might have served the internet fan base, but you're not serving your business well because you got your ass kicked on Friday night. Simple as that. Whether you own or rent, Geico makes it easy to bundle your home and car insurance. Go to geico.com today. And then to further kind of exacerbate, exacerbate, and I'm going to use the term ignorant, but I mean it in the literal sense, not as a derisive comment, but for Tony Khan to come out and say, you know, I'll paraphrase, but the point will be there. You know, I never met Ted Turner. I'm sure and this is Tony speaking. I'm sure he's perhaps much smarter than I am. But if he knew 1% of what I know about professional wrestling, WCW would still be around. That's something that I would expect Dave Meltzer to say. That is a completely uninformed, therefore ignorant comment to make. Ignorant because I don't think Tony knows whether or not Ted Turner grew up a wrestling fan or not. I don't either, by the way. Um, but if, if you know anything at all about Ted Turner, if you've read <clears throat> read any anything that has been written, you know, in Ted's in Ted's own words, Ted believed in wrestling above all else, other than perhaps the Braves. Professional wrestling is, in many cases, in, in many ways, one of the reasons that TBS got off the ground because Ted Turner knew that professional wrestling was a staple of the audience he was trying to generate and knew that it would bring eyeballs. The fact that Tony Khan is even on TNT, which at least when I was there stood for Turner network television and then to come out and compare himself to Ted Turner and suggest that if, if Ted knew anything at all about professional wrestling on the level that Tony Khan does that WCW would still be around. That was an ignorant statement and, and further has got me questioning what Tony really knows. Um, read the book, the rise and fall nitro by, by, by guy Evans, Tony, if you're going to come out and compare yourself to Ted Turner, which is laughable, um, 
and, and say things like that, read the book and you'll not embarrass yourself quite as badly. I, I was really I'm not angry. I don't have a dog in the hunt. You know, it's not like Ted Turner and I are close friends, but we do have a ton of respect for him. And I, I thought that statement really made Tony look childish and uninformed. And I know he's a brilliant guy and I like Tony. I mean, I don't know Tony real well. I've only, you know, had limited interactions with him, but I know people that work for him and he treats people well. He's doing a lot of things right. But when he comes out publicly and says these stupid things, he's coming off like a dirt sheet writer. And that may serve your core internet wrestling community audience, but it's not doing a damn thing for your ratings. And it's not just Tony. You know, CM Punk coming out and you know comparing himself and a couple of the other guys that have recently joined AEW and saying that they're more significant than Scott Hall and Kevin Nash when they came to WCW. And I know, you know, Conrad and I touched on this at one point, and Conrad, you know, put it into context for me. And I was I was willing to kind of back off a little bit. And, and realize that perhaps I was misinterpreting because I'm capable of doing that from time to time. But all I hear on AEW is how much better they are. But I'm not seeing it. What did Friday night do with CM Punk in a match? 593,000 viewers? I'm sorry. That's just not impressive at all. And, and, and on top of it, you know, the, the, the dynamite numbers are really not, they're over a million and that's great. You know, maybe, you know, TNT is probably happy just like Viacom and Spike TV was thrilled with, you know, uh, TNA impact. They're thrilled with it. It was one of the highest rated shows on the network. Didn't really mean much. So I just would hope at some point that Tony embraces the role of being an underdog. And, you know, you talked about, you know, this scene that Cody and I had on Roads to the Top. It was kind of the advice I was giving Tony, hoping others would see it. They're the underdog. AEW is at the point now where people want them to succeed. And by continually talking about how much better than they are than WWE and talking about the company, first of all, they're not in competition with, with WWE. They're in the same industry but they're not competition in the real sense. If you're going to say you're, 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 you're competing with, with WWE, then let's talk numbers because numbers are objective. Is AEW anywhere near WWE in terms of revenue? No. WWE is going to make more money going over to Saudi Arabia for one weekend than AEW is going to make from Turner for the entire year of programming. So there's no comparison from a revenue point of view. There's no, there's no comparison in, in, in terms of their global viewer footprint. Now, AEW is starting they're, they're, and they're on their way. And I'm sure that eventually someday in the next five years, their international footprint is going to become meaningful. But right now it's not. It's almost non-existent. So they're not really competitive when it comes to revenue. They're not really competitive when it comes to global audience. What other metrics are there? Well, let's use the one that everybody likes to talk about, you know, on the internet and 
compare and, and, and defend and argue, but you know, WWE is still on average delivering twice the audience is AEW is. So but on what basis is there a real competition? And if here's, if I, if, if Tony were to call me and ask for any advice, here's what it would be. Shut up and wrestle, dude. Just put out the best product you can and you've proven you can focus on that. Now this is weird coming for me, right? The guy who challenged Vince McMahon, the guy who did all the, gave away their finishes, right? So people are listening to this are going, yeah, but that's him. The young Tony. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What the hell? Yeah. But here's the difference. I was actually competing with him. I was going head to head, real head to head. Like my show started at the same time his show started each and every week. And another thing, Tony came out and says, oh, we're, you know, we're at the 1996 stage of WCW and we're just going to not make their mistakes. Tony, you're inventing some mistakes, brother. By coming out there and, and constantly comparing yourself or deriding your competition, but not having the willingness, I almost said balls, not having the willingness to say, okay, let's go head to head. Let's really compete. Let's see who can get whose market share. That's real competition. So I, I'm, I'm a little disappointed in the rhetoric that I'm hearing out of Tony as well as some of their talent, man, shut the fuck up until you're actually competing and you're actually competing favorably. And by the way, Tony, in 1996, I was kicking WWE's ass every week in a real head-to-head competition, not a cosplay competition, not by focusing on, you know, percentage of, of, of an 18 to 49 year old demo. Cause that's the only favorable comp you have. And it really doesn't mean anything in context. What does it really mean? You know, I'm, I'm reading these, Brandon Thurston. And by the way, I think Brandon's doing a great job of aggregating relevant, current, accurate data. But nobody puts that data into context. Data without context and without a way to interpret it and apply it means absolutely nothing. So I, I hope, you know, I'm excited about wrestling, I'm excited about the business of the business of wrestling, which I'm way more interested than I am in what's going on inside of the ring, even though I know that there's, you know, they're connected, but you know, the whole cosplay competition, bearing your competition while they're kicking your ass, by the way, just sheer numbers folks, not, not a subjective opinion about, you know, what you like and what you don't like. And these guys are really cool. And these guys aren't, but forget about that. None of that matters. What matters is the numbers. And when it comes to the numbers, AEW has got a long way to go. They're not even close to where I was in 1996. Not even close in terms of real competition because they're not really competing. Well, Eric, you covered it all there, my friend. Well, I'm sorry. And I didn't mean that's good. And and I know people go, and I'm sure Tony's going to be. You know, disappointed, I guess. I don't think he'll be mad. I don't think he cares about what I say. Um, but it might make him a little disappointed. Hey, y'all, did you go to Geico.com yet? What's the holdup? You got a house? You got a car? You need to bundle them. You need to save. It's Geico.com. But I, I would hope that he learns, you know, because what he's doing now and putting himself over and, you know, getting sucked into this internet wrestling community psychology 
you know, he's going to, he's, he's going to, you know, and I think Roman Reigns, you know, I don't know if you read the interview that Roman Reigns um, did last week talking about AEW and whether or not they're really competition. I think uh-huh. Roman Reigns did a great job of articulating the reality without a chip on his shoulder or being defensive. It is what it is. And I, I really love to see AEW. I would love to see AEW outperform WWE. How's that? There you go. That's Make it happen. I like to see. I would like to see real competition and see the point where AEW is is competing favorably. <clears throat> Forget about defeating them. If they're competing favorably, head to head in a real head to head environment, I'd love to see that, and I'd be cheering them on. Should I show up and and do their show for free if they asked? If that was what they were doing, but you know, to, to taking these pot shots and you know, jabs and, and burying your competition when you don't have the balls to actually compete. Eh, kind of bugs me. Can you tell? All right, let's get off this. <laughs> Speaking of competition, Eric, and 1996, because that's what we're here to talk about today. But let's start with competition. My friend, you are at 66,700 YouTube subscribers over on your YouTube channel. And uh, we need to get you to 100,000. We need to get me to a hundred thousand fast. Cause this, I mean, it, this bothers me. I am a competitive person. I was born a competitive person. I mean, that's why part of me, you know, I, I identify with, with what Tony's trying to do, but to, to you know, 66,700, you know, subscribers on YouTube. I'm sure for some people that would be great, but to know, that Bruce Pritchard has over a hundred thousand. That's correct. That's where I was headed. The competition. Come on, people. Come uh, on. One hundred and two thousand for Bruce Pritchard. Oh, you got to be this. okay. <laughs> you got. I don't need the exact number. It hurts enough. No, you like numbers. Come on, Eric. Come so on. So please, now. people, subscribe. Go to eighty-three weeks on YouTube. Subscribe. Unsubscribe, gonna- subscribe again, whatever you can do. Tell your friends, tell your, I don't care. Tell your friends. If you don't have friends, hundred, make I, friends, just I whatever. Just, I, I just need a hundred thousand plus subscribers before the end of this year. Or I, I may lose my shit. Yes, please, please people subscribe for Conrad's sake. My sake, all of our sakes over at ad free shows, subscribe to the man's YouTube channel. And uh, they're doing some giveaways, some swag. Our man Steve Kaufman's over there managing the whole platform. And uh, I think he was going to do some fun giveaways uh, for those when we hurt, hit certain tiers. So 83 weeks on YouTube.com. Help our guy, help our man Eric Bischoff crack that 100,000 barrier and surpass Bruce Pritchard. We want him to beat the competition. Eric, are you ready to dig into 1996? We're going back 25 years this week. Let's do it. I'm ready. Let's do this thing. Here we go. So it's been about a month or so since you and Conrad uh, did a watch along in 1996, and we're going to do another one today. So before we get into the show, we're going to cover October 21st. I thought we'd do a little bit of a recap of what's been going on. And uh, we talked about Six Pac's debut September 16th. A lot of WC talent, by the way, are in Japan for a new Japan WCW tournament, including guys like Malenko, Guerrero, Benoit, Flair, Regal, uh, Sting, and others. With this lack of talent on the second hour of the sub- September 23rd show, the NWO takes over Nitro, 
Eric, uh, you know, thinking back to this time period and that tournament going on over in uh, New Japan, was this pretty much a necessary evil of keeping the New Japan relationship going at this point, just that talent exchange and sending all those folks over there? Well, I, I wouldn't characterize it as an evil in any shape or form, necessary or otherwise. It was a hell of an opportunity and a, a very profitable one at that. For both both New Japan and and WCW, I was I was in Japan a couple of years ago, right after Masa Saito passed away, and I was there to for for a memorial event and to to honor him. And I did uh, in the interview with one of the major uh, Tokyo newspapers, and the the writer for that newspaper um, informed me of a lot of things that I wasn't aware of. Um, imagine that, <laughs> how could that happen? <clears throat> but, you know, I, I learned, for example, you know, the amount of money that New Japan made from the NWO storyline, which was obviously a result of the that New Japan WCW relationship. It was one of the most successful storylines and angles um, in Japan, in, in, in history, in terms of actual revenue generated merchandise, ticket sales, all of the above. I didn't know that. So mm. it, it was a great relationship. And sure, it created challenges from time to time, but you just work around them. You figure it out. You anticipate them. We knew that it was going to happen months in advance, so you just come up with a, a solution. And I think in this case, the show we're about to review, that was it was a great solution. It worked. Right. Psst. Hey, go to com. Pass it on. Attention sports bettors, has anyone ever given you $1,000 before? Hi, I'm Wayne Alaroot, the man the media calls the king of Vegas sports gambling. There's never been a sports handicapper like me. First, I'm giving away $1,000 of free point spread picks to the first 1,000 sports bettors to respond at VegasWinners.com. It's simple and easy. Just be among the first 1,000 right now at VegasWinners.com for your $1,000 of free point spread picks. It's 1,000 for the first 1,000. Second, I actually win. I'm 22 and 8, 73% winners to start NFL 2021. My primetime games are 11 and 1, 92% winners. My world famous games of the year, 4 and 0 the past four weeks. And my famous pinnacle plays, 75% winners for the season, all independently monitored and documented. At Vegas Winners, we've got it all free picks and best bets every day for myself and 21 champion sports betting experts. It's fully automated, completely private. No one to ever speak to. Be one of the first thousand to log on right now and get your $1,000 of free point spread picks. Just log on to VegasWinners.com. That's VegasWinners.com. Well, on that September 23rd show, Public Enemy would win the WCW World Tag Team titles over Harlem Heat. And uh, and one of the staples of the Nitro, the NWO is shown arriving backstage. Kevin Nash says, except no limitations, the real deals are in the house. And this is a knock at the WWF, who they're debuting the fake Razor and Diesel. What are your thoughts on the fake Razor and Diesel? And what were Kevin and Scott's thoughts on those characters? I thought it was hilarious. And and subsequently I learned from my good friend, Bruce Pritchard, that it was actually their attorney. Jerry, that was Jerry McDivitt's idea. Can you imagine having a, an attorney booking your wrestling show? How fucked up is that? That would be like having a wrestler defending you in court. It makes no sense. But I, I thought it was laughable, interesting. You know, I mean, Legitimately, I thought, oh, let's see how this works. I was interested to see how the audience was going to react. I knew how I was reacting 
but just because I felt the way I felt didn't mean the audience was going to feel the same way. So I was really curious as to how the audience was going to react to it. Did you remember Kevin or Scott saying anything about it? Like just all of you kind of joking around about it? it was, yeah, yeah, it was lighthearted banter. I mean, okay. nobody was upset. Nobody okay. really took it too seriously. It was, I, I think for Scott and Kevin, I certainly don't want to speak for them, but um, I think they were probably interested too in yeah. seeing how, how it would be received. We all anticipated people would take a dump on it. Um, but you never know, you know, audiences are audiences. And they always think the way people that are, in the bubble think speaking of amazing debuts during this time virgil would debut as vincent the newest member of the nwo how does this come to be and by the way eric did he charge you for a picture go Steelers! come on man there you go he'll do it shout out to my buddy mark madden come yes. on yes eric taking a drink there feeling good i need my caffeine i'm so I'm, I'm, I'm it was a slow roll for me this morning so i'm getting going what was the question? Virgil. 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 Did he charge me for an autograph? Did he charge no, you for a picture? No, no, <laughs> no. He was happy as hell to be there. So, and and who can blame him, right? Yeah. He, and and he then his name, Vincent, right? One of the hottest angles, you know, in 1996. And, you know, he wasn't really doing all that much beforehand. So, yeah, I'm sure he was thrilled. Well, he would become a, a, a huge star, and I say that tongue-in-cheek. The next week at the NWO Suite in the Marriott, Jerry Sags does an impression of you with his bare ass. What do you remember of this? Do you remember? I don't. Thing? Do we have a clip? I don't have a clip. It's it's on that Nitro. We'll have to throw it in your peacock machine and check it out. But he does a full-on Eric Bischoff impersonation with his bare ass. So just curious if you remember well, that. Well, we need to, we need to pull that clip and, and maybe yeah. next week bring that up and a we'll bonus episode or something. Yeah. yeah. How you react to it. It's funny. Cause we can do that now with this new stream. Oh yeah. Right? We can just pull up clips and we can talk about specific. Oh, that's going to be awesome. This is, we're just moving forward by leaps and bounds. We're going to, we're, we're going to use this for your bonus show. We're going to do a bonus show. Me, you and Jeff, uh, here soon and we'll use this platform again for that so yeah and and by the way you know joe rogan you know i know you're doing pretty well but we're coming after you man this show in many respects you know gets a much higher rating you know with wrestling fans and the joe rogan experience so yeah well i'm going we're a better show than than joe rogan so eric let's 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 first focus on bruce pritchard's youtube and then we'll go after joe rogan how's that sound i'm just kidding i'm, I'm, co <laughs> I'm creating cosplay competition here oh here I'm we getting go the internet all stirred up i love joe rogan he's my hero i love he's it. my hero but no i'm this is you know i'm creating cosplay competition because the internet likes that so. it seems to be the thing to do nowadays yeah we've, we've learned that the first 30 minutes of the show i'm sorry uh, Elizabeth is thrust into the NWO, Randy Savage, Hulk Hogan storyline. We'll get into that as we start this episode here soon. Were there any issues with Randy regarding this? And what did Liz think of, uh, of being a part of this whole history again? The story. Absolutely zero issues with Randy. Zero. Zero. Um, Liz, uh, you know, she was happy to be involved. Liz was, as long as, you know, she was contributing and in, in, in a role that she was comfortable in. She was as happy as happy could be. So that's all I remember about that. Good, good stuff. Harlem Heat wins the WCW Tag Team titles back from uh, Public Enemy at Saturday night uh, taping. So Public Enemy, big time, long run there. Again, tongue in cheek. It's obvious the Outsiders are being set up for the tag titles. 
Now, did they have a say? Did they prefer to work with Harlem Heat compared to the public enemy, or do you think that was a topic or an issue for them at all? No, no. I, I, I would. I, I'm guessing here again. It wasn't a topic. Never came up. Okay. Never had the conversation with Scott and Kevin. But I think as performers, they were probably a little more excited to work with Harlem Heat because there was more there to work with. Sure. Their wrestling style and their capabilities in terms of wrestling style um, was much different than Public Enemy. So I would guess that they preferred it. Well, Eric Flair gets hurt in Japan right around the time. Good old Double J, Jeff Jarrett, our buddy debuts. Was Flair's injury a catalyst for the Jeff Jarrett and the Horseman storyline, or was that always the plan? I think that was pretty much um, had been discussed. It wasn't a knee-jerk reaction, so it was. It had been discussed. Okay, part of the plan. And then we move on to Nitro at the Mid-South Coliseum. The week before this, the Nasty Boys come out in the NWO colors, but the NWO beats them down, stating that they can't wear the colors until they're told to. Why was Hulk so heavy on giving the Nasty Boys the rub? I mean, we know they're friends and their friendship, obviously. There you go. I mean, that's pretty much it right there. They they were close friends, but also Hulk knew we could depend on them. Say whatever you want to say about their performance in the ring or their characters. Everybody has their own opinion, and you're welcome to them. Uh, But when it came down to, you know, being dependable, Nasty Boys were there, and they could deliver to the degree that, um, their, their fans would react, you know, they weren't a big name. They weren't like the top of the card, but they were consistent. They delivered and they brought an audience with them. So, and the fact that they were friends and they were buddies final note here, before we fire up our uh, watch along sting is gone for the month filming scenes for liar, liar with Jim Carrey. Do you know why the sting scenes never saw the light of day? Couldn't tell you. Yeah, there's a little nugget. Sting was uh, acting in Liar Liar with Jim Carrey. I did not know that. Maybe we could find the the bonus cuts, the cuts that didn't make it there with Sting. So there we go. Well, let's do this, Eric. It's time to fire up the Peacock machine. For those of you that want to do the watch along, it's Monday Nitro. It's October 21st, 1996, season two, October 21st, 1996. And we're going to get this going here on our side as well. Eric, you ready for this? Ready. All right. Let's get it going on our side as well. And here we go, Eric, the big Nitro intro. This music always gets me still. Every time I hear this open, I get excited. time again and we are coming to you live with the best in WCW World Championship Wrestling it's WCW Monday Nitro on TNT where the superstars of WCW come your way from the state of Minnesota we are in Mankato Mankato Minnesota Eric where the hell is Mankato Minnesota Mankato um it is about if I remember correctly it's about 70 miles southwest of minneapolis mankato state university now i went to college in 73 to st cloud state university and one of the reasons i went well there's a lot of reasons i went um most of them had to do with just parties 
But St. Cloud State and Mankato State were consistently rated in the top 10 uh, colleges for parties by Playboy magazine. So okay. although Mankato is kind of off in the, you know, the, the rural farm country of Minnesota, they could party in Mankato. And we used to go down there a lot and, you know, compare notes. <laughs> I was going to say, I think nothing else needs to be said after that. Let's go to Mankato, maybe get a little happy chef. That's a, you, you've been at happy chef before, right? I've absolutely been to Happy Chef. And by the way, if you've ever had a can of Jolly Green Giant green beans, ho, ho, ho. They're from, <laughs> that company is in Lesseur, Minnesota, which is just down the road from Mankato. So okay. there you go. Another little fun fact, fun food fact. And Happy Chef, by the way, headquartered in Mankato. And that's why I brought it up. That was their claim to fame. They had 65 locations. Now they're down to one, still in Mankato. Hey, did you go to Geico.com yet? So let's get into this a little bit. This show draws 4,034 paying at 52,155. And it already opened up here with a clip of Savage and Liz together. And Liz is confessing to Randy that she still loves him. And by the way, Liz and Randy have been divorced for a little over four years. She's been with the company about nine months. It's still a tad surreal to me that they still have angles together. What can you tell us about Randy and Liz four years after their divorce? You said a little earlier, it was no big deal for them working together, right? No, no. well, no, it wasn't a big deal. I, I think, you know, Randy, I think it's fair to say Randy looked at Liz. He was very, he was still protective of her, but not in a romantic way. He wanted to make sure she was safe. She was He was protective of her from a storyline point of view, um, much like you would be a family member, a brother, sister, cousin, whatever. Um, but there was none of the romantic kind of entanglement that, that one would suspect that you'd have with a former ex or a current ex. So there, it was a very professional relationship between the two of them. Good drama free, especially when, especially when you start thinking about working wrestling angles and, and all that, you definitely don't want to have any of that baggage. So it's no, and, you, and, you know, and the potential for disaster is there when you bring sure. your real life into scripted television and, and, you know, the feelings are still there or the emotions are still, even though they're under the surface, it can be, it can be pretty treacherous under the best of circumstances. So this was, you know, we were walking in, we were walking a fine line here, but it worked out perfectly. Well, the star opening match of this Nitro is is a fun one. It's beautiful Bobby Eaton facing off a 25-year-old Chris Jericho. So, again, for those who care and most probably don't, Bobby has split from the Blue Bloods with Steven Regal and just went back to being his old Bobby Eaton self. I know we've talked about Bobby. You and I have talked about Bobby a few times. Uh, going back and forth there, we recently uh, lost him. Uh, anything else that maybe hasn't been shared about Bobby or you want to make sure you get well, out it's there? It's been pretty well covered. I don't think there's yeah. anybody in the wrestling industry that's worked with Bobby that hasn't really talked about what a great performer he was and what a great person he was. But I think there's nothing that I could certainly add to, to an already large chorus of, of supporters and admirers of Bobby Eaton, those people that he worked with who knew him best. Well, we have the NWO and there's six, and this is the first time he breaks out the camera, the handheld camera gimmick, as this is this for the first time here at this nitro. And speaking of gimmicks, Nick Patrick has that uh, neck brace around his neck. He is in the middle of trying to sue macho man for a million dollars in damages. And you're going <laughs> to, you're going to watch through this match, Eric. He is really doing a nice job of, uh, selling this neck injury throughout the match here. 
Nick was a, a great performer. What, what a great, what a great role he played. And some of the promos that Nick cut were <clears throat> as good or better than the promo, the very best promos that we've heard on Nitro from a lot of the top talent. Nick was really good in this role. Look how pretty Chris Jericho, isn't he pretty? 25 <laughs> so, years old. 25 years old, in great shape. He's got that lion's mane hair. I was very jealous of that hair, by the way. Uh, I still am. Chris looks really good here. This has got to be a great match. Got to be a great match. This is this is a fun match. And and while we watch this one, since we're here on Jericho, I, I got to help it ask because this is this is going on now. This past week, Jericho and his inner circle, they're battling Junior Dos Santos and the Men of the Year, Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page. What are your thoughts on this whole American Top Team and Dan Lambert thing? They're kind of bringing in this MMA mixed vibe into AEW since I know you like to discuss some current product here and here and there on the show. Are you liking what they're doing there with that? What are your thoughts on that whole program? You know, I don't have a strong feeling about it in terms of whether I like watching it or not. I've seen little clips of it here, clip of it there. Overall though, I think it's a great idea. You know, it's, it's not the first time it's ever been done. You know, TNA did it, you know, with two Ortiz and, and, um, Oh, I can't remember the name of the other guy, but, um, Dan Lambert was involved with uh, with them for a little bit too, down in Impact. And yeah, so a, I think it's a great idea. Obviously, you know, MMA has got a, a, a big audience, and if to the degree that there is some crossover, why not do something like that? It, it provides a lot of potential, a lot of, a lot of things there you can do. So we'll just like anything else, you just got to see how it plays out. To your point earlier, Roman Reigns made those comments that you were saying about the little boy, the little brothers, if they want to step up. And I guess Junior Dos Santos said, anytime you want to get in, in our faces, me and the little brothers are ready for you. So, oh, that's all that fun social media stuff that, that, you, that you talk about there, Eric. So, uh, But I was just curious your opinion, if you like that mix, that crossover MMA into wrestling, what your thoughts are on that. Here we go for the pinfall one, two, Bobby Eaton. No, but again, two, there he is. Look at Nick selling the neck as he goes down for the count. Oh, so good. What was the, uh, what was the whole point there with six and the, uh, and the camcorder? Is that supposed to lead to lead to anything down the road or what was the fault there with that? Honestly, it was, it was two things. One is a cool little gimmick, right? Nobody done anything like that before. I was a big fan of doing things that nobody had ever done before. Um, as little as that was, it was just something new and something fresh. And the other, and there was a, a legitimate reason behind it is we often wrestled, no pun intended with the challenge of trying to explain <clears throat> to ourselves and justify to the audience why there were camera shots in certain scenes, because it was always so convenient, you know, especially in the backstage stuff. Right. So by establishing six with that video camera, whenever we needed that kind of behind the scenes secret footage, it became more plausible in, in terms of where that footage actually came from. And in certain cases, we actually used it. But most of the time, it was just to help justify, even subconsciously, why, the, why was there a camera in a certain scene? We said we had a challenge with that because we, we started doing so many things backstage and you know, we'd lay it all out and everybody would get excited about it. And it was like Kevin Nash was the one most famous for it. Yo, E, why is there a camera there? 
Fuck, Kevin, why'd you have to ask that question? Damn it. Now we got to figure that out. Um, so this was one way that we had kind of a, um, a justification in our back pocket for anything that involved a backstage shot that seemed like it shouldn't, there shouldn't have been a camera there um, by having six constantly having that camera as a part of his gimmick. Well, Eric, it's announced here that uh, Six and Jericho are going to be facing off at Halloween Havoc on Sunday. Halloween Havoc is uh, is up next here on the, the, the following Sunday. And you can listen to that show, by the way, in the archives. You and Conrad talked uh, about that show, covered that show. Did Sean push to work Jericho at first, or was it just a logical ma- matchup uh, in your mind? I, I don't recall him pushing for it. You know, Sean was just happy to be there and he was willing and happy to do whatever he was asked to do. So I, I think it was more Kevin Sullivan would probably be the better person to ask, but I, I'm pretty sure that, that was just kind of a logical matchup. It just looked good on paper and we knew that they could have a great match. They had complimentary styles and experience. So um, it just made sense on paper. It's fun to watch as Chris is doing springboards off the top and drop kicks. He's still doing that exact same move now, 25 years later, which is just incredible at his age, what he's still able to do in the ring. It is, you know, Chris is, um, he's an anomaly. Excuse me. I don't know. Perhaps you do. Uh, For the most part, Chris has been, Chris Jericho has been kind of injury free. I'm sure he's had dings here and there. But to my knowledge, and again, maybe you can correct me or some of our listeners can, um, I don't think Chris has, has been out for any exp- extended period of time with injuries. He's a durable, not only incredibly talented, an amazing character, he's durable as hell. Today's episode is brought to you by Geico. Do you own or rent your home? Sure you do. And I bet it can be hard work. But you know what's easy? Bundling policies with Geico. Geico makes it easy to bundle your homeowner's insurance or renter's insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing too, because you already have so much to do around the house. Go to Geico.com, get a quote and see how much you could save. It's Geico easy. Visit Geico.com today. That's Geico.com. And we thank them for sponsoring today's podcast. Yeah. Just uh, off top of my head. I can't think of one major, major injury. He's taken some time off to go do some things on the side, whether it's for you know, music or this or that. But as far as that major, uh, injury, nothing is coming to my, the top of my mind here thinking that he's had. So you're absolutely right. He has stayed in amazing shape. The thing about Chris is his entertainment ability, what he can do on the mic. And he hasn't lost a step there either. And he stays. Well, in, I think he's gotten better. Yeah. I, I, he, he, yeah. In 2021, he can still be relevant and fun and entertaining on the mic just as he was back in 96. Chris is really, really not, not talented. Doesn't really quite, quite cover it, but he he really understands the audience and the product in a way that very few people do. <clears throat> and I think that's why he's just been a tremendous, not only just a performer, but an asset to have backstage. I'm sure. Here's Nick with the one, two, no kicks out. Bobby Eaton. Look at those tights. Do you have a pair of those, Eric, in the closet at home? No, Mrs. B does, though. (laughs) She wears them under her chaps. Nice. There's nothing hotter than a woman in chaps. And when you put those colorful tights underneath it, it takes it to a whole new level. 
Tights or no tights, chaps. They work. Jericho with the with the uh, three count on Bobby Heaton. Listen, Meltzer gave this star gave this match two stars. What did he have an eye closed during this match? That was a good match. Yeah, I get one that's subjective. That's Dave's yeah, opinion. That's true. Oh, well, uh, Dave, you're being nice today. Dave, Dave is a very biased. Dirt Listen sheet to player. you. Well, that's subjective. It's Dave's opinion. When have you ever been that nice? <laughs> I'm trying. I'm, I try every day. I wake up. I try to be a better person than I was when I went to bed the night before. There you go. So I try. I, I fail frequently, but it doesn't mean I quit trying. Listen, Conrad's going to want you to be nice to Dave, but this is me. I'm, I'm all for it. Let's hear it. Well, no, I see. You know, it's the audience too. Oh, do they? Do you get feedback? Do they? Are they tired of hearing mixed. shit on them? It's mixed. I would say ah. sixty or seventy percent of the people that you know respond to this type of thing on social media or my comments about Dave you know, want me to keep on going. They just, you know, they in fact, they want me to fire up even more, but there is a percentage that it's like, dude, come on, let it go. So yeah, I, got I try to, to be balanced in the way I approach these things. Let's check out Tony and uh, Chris here. That's six is watching. Cause it's only six days until Halloween havoc. NWO never beaten, never tied, never given a run for their money. Six in Las Vegas, you're coming out with a loss. I'm coming out with a victory. And NWO, first rung of the ladder is climbed. WNWO, WCW, we'll see who the better man is. Are you ready, Six? Because I am. You've got to admire this young man's character. Chris Jericho ready for six of Slim Jim's Halloween Havoc. Like he said, in only six days. And we'll have more WCW Monday Night Show live from Minnesota after this time out. Look at Tony Schiavone ro- rocking the old uh, double-breasted brass-buttoned blazer there. Wow. Tony has always been a fashion-forward entertainer. You know, from his 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 choice of clothing, and now he's running around with two diamond earrings. And know, a tattoo? Did you hear about his new tattoo? I saw the tattoo. Holy shit, Eric. He, he's Tony is living his best life, and I In could not be happier for my hmm. friend Tony Schiavone. There's a picture of him on Twitter where him and uh, a rebel are reliving the uh, lady in the tramp spaghetti eating scene. Rebel posted it. She's on one side with a piece of spaghetti and Tony's on the other side and they're eating towards the middle of it. Have how you seen awesome that one? is, how awesome <laughs> is rebel? She's fantastic. Love her. She's just such a character. I really, really dig her. Yeah. I, I dig her as a person. I haven't had a lot of interaction interaction with her. You would love her. I've had some, but yeah. I've watched her interacting with others and she's just again i, I hate to overuse an overused term but she's just living her best life like yeah thrilled for her as well plug for ad free show she has her own happy hour show every other sunday and it's a can't miss event she really takes you inside what's going on her life and has guests on and tony khan was actually on the last one from the jaguars uh uh, suite there it was his birthday and she brought us into the suite and we all got to ask questions so she is she's fantastic she is. I'm so, going to drop in on her show one time. You should. Of course, it'll be should. a letdown now that Tony Khan's already been on. It'll be like, <laughs> no, uh, who cares? You drop in when Tony Khan's on, and then I'll start asking some questions. And no, okay. that would be fun. Holy and, and again, and I like Tony. That's the thing. I'm always, you know, I know we started the show off me talking a lot about what I was disappointed in, but I'm, I'm really, I truly am pulling for AEW and, and everybody. I had a lot of friends. I know there. you are. I know you are. I, you know, but the yes. people listening to this won't, you know what yeah. I mean? 
I have to make that clear. Yeah. But I think the good thing about you, Eric, is that you're going to give an honest opinion because you're not on either side. You're not under contract with anybody, but you've lived the wrestling business. You were that guy. You were against Vince McMahon. You've lived that life. So no one can speak to it like you. No one can. And as we're watching Dean Malenko, another one of my favorite, favorite performers of this era. Way to bring us back in. It, it. You know, we've, we, we use the term underappreciated, underrated, you know, a lot when we talk about former talents, but I, I think Dean is one of the best. He, he is. I love watching Dean Malenko matches. He's so fast on his feet. I know a lot of people aren't watching this along with us, and most people are listening to this on their way to work or while they're working, so they don't have the advantage of seeing what we're seeing right here. But the footwork, the speed, mm. the psychology – what we're watching Dean do right now, if you are able to watch along with us here on Ad Free Shows, he knows when to sell. He knows how to sell. It's the little details that I think made Dean such a fun person, at least for me to watch. And he was a believable character, you know, so athletic. We're so watching, fluid. Just fluid. It doesn't miss a beat. My goodness. Again, his footwork is fantastic. His timing is unbelievable. Just such a great, great talent. He, he's a guy, for those that are around my age, late 30s, early 40s, you go back and watch now and you think, man, I probably did not appreciate this guy for what he could do in the ring, as I should have. He's someone you go back and watch now and be like, he was a fantastic wrestler. And He, uh, he really was. And his psychology, and you know, he still has it. You know, while Dean isn't performing in the ring anymore, the industry as a whole, and AEW is fortunate to have him. So he came out and he was holding uh, Ray Mysterio Jr.'s mask, and Jimmy Graffiti is who he's wrestling here. And for those that don't realize who Jimmy Graffiti is, it's Jimmy Del Rey from Smoky Mountain and WWF. He was part of the Heavenly Bodies, and he's completely changed his look at this point. And I mean, he's got a porn stash going on, but this is his debut in WCW. And uh, my goodness, yeah. With Dean coming out with Ray's mask, was this something from the beginning of Ray's WCW career that you knew you could market and eventually take off of him? No, I didn't really think about it, uh, taking the mask off of him until well after. And, you know, my reasoning behind it, I think we've covered it on, on a previous show, but th there was, you know, good or bad, right or wrong, there was a reason for it. And uh, But I didn't start feeling that way until well after Ray had been with us for a while. Nice super kick there from Jimmy Graffiti. He's out of shape. Uh, pretty much he'd been out of wrestling for a while at this point. And two months from now, Eric, he's completely done. He's going to retire due to a knee injury. And uh, he started a flooring company in Florida. So there you and go. And if you look at Jimmy Graffiti's boots here, it looks like he borrowed them from one of the nasty boys. Those are the most <laughs> ridiculous looking pair of boots I've ever seen. He, did, he didn't go all out on his gimmick. Let's put it that way. He did come He did come to the ring with about a $39 shirt, which is pretty cool. <laughs> but, you know, the, the cutoff shorts and those ridiculous boots that I'm sure he borrowed from either Brian Nobbs or Jerry Sags just wasn't enough to, to elevate him in his quest so, to be a significant professional wrestler. So, so that, that prompts the question, Eric, why put someone like this on TV compared to a dark match? Ask Kevin Sullivan. I don't oh, know. Kevin Sullivan. <laughs> oh, that damn Kevin Sullivan. No, uh, but seriously, seriously, I joke around, but you know, you want to see, you know, obviously 
he'd been in the ring for, for a while. He had some experience and sometimes you just have to see how a crowd is going to react to a character. You can look at all the videotape you want. You can listen to all the opinions you can gather you know, from other people, but until you put somebody in the ring and see how they react to the crowd and how the crowd reacts to him, um, you don't know. So that's why you do it. And, you know, a dark match, the audience knows it's a dark match. Dark matches are good for really, really young talent who hasn't worked in front of a crowd because it takes a while to get comfortable doing that. Um, but a guy like Jimmy Graffiti, who'd been in the business for a while, it's more about let's just see how the crowd responds to him. Because if you know, on, on the surface, looking at a guy like this, not nothing, nothing against Jimmy individually, but a character that presents himself in this manner would not be something that I typically would be excited about. But again, I say to you, it doesn't sure. matter what I think or right. what I thought in many cases, it's what the audience felt. Same was true, you know, with my relationship with hardcore matches. I never liked them, but the audience did. So we did them. Um, but this, this look, uh, uh, didn't do a lot for me. And, and Jimmy didn't do anything in the ring to, to really help himself or distinguishing, distinguish him himself. All right. Another quick time out here. Look, we're all adults, right? And some of us choose to use nicotine to relax, focus, or just unwind after a long day. Lucy Nicotine is a company that was created to help nicotine users find a cleaner option and feel better about the ways they consume nicotine. Their latest product is Slim Nicotine Pouches, which contain pure synthetic nicotine and provide the same satisfaction that nicotine users expect without any tobacco at all. Lucy Slim Pouches uses the newest technology for synthesizing pure nicotine in the lab. None of the tobacco but all of the nicotine satisfaction. And Lucy Slim Pouches include both coconut oil and a gum base to provide a soft, fluffy texture that enhances the flavor, and it doesn't dry out your mouth. They come in three strengths, 4, 8, and 12 milligrams, and three exclusive and delicious flavors, spearmint, mango, and cool cider. Now, I've got a friend of mine that for whatever reason, when he gets into a car, he he just has to have a cigarette now sometimes that's okay and sometimes depending on who else is in the car maybe not so much and lucy slim nicotine pouches is a perfect option in fact it's going to be in somebody's christmas stocking this year and you know who you are because i know you're listening <laughs> so here's the deal it's 2021 man don't compromise when you're choosing your nicotine products go with the newest tobacco-free options 83 weeks listeners it's real simple go to lucy.co that's lucy.co and use promo code 83 weeks to get 20 percent off your first order of lucy slim pouches or any other lucy products that's lucy.co and use the promo code you know what it is 83 weeks at checkout also i have to give you this disclaimer warning this product contains non-tobacco nicotine, and nicotine is an addictive chemical. That's lucy.co, and be sure to use that promo code, 83 weeks. Well, the other thing here, too, in just a little while, the very next month, it's World War III, and you guys need 60 men to fill out that deal. So maybe yeah, you just, need some pulses in there. You need some right, You're just <laughs> looking for guys with heartbeats to come in, and hey, let's, let's put them on Nitro if we need to as well. Uh, 
By the way, again, it's 83 weeks on youtube.com as we watch this match. Subscribe, please. I think we should just do that throughout the show, the rest of the show. Whatever we have to do. I know, please. man. We, we got to get you there. Uh, Randy, speaking of clothing, boots, and shirts, Randy Anderson was always walking. He was rocking the navy blue pants compared to the rest of the referees. Did you ever notice that? Just a little fashionista moment here. Yeah. During the rest of the Doing distinguish his own thing. Distinguishing yeah. him. Distinguishing yeah. himself. Yeah. God, I need more coffee. Come on, yeah. let's keep this going. This is a little low pace. This is a little slow pace show for me, buddy. I can't. Rem- I can't force remember. the action here. Most of the people that are listening to this don't have the ability to watch along with us, so we can't for- forget the people who are driving in their car. I understand. Talk too much about what we're seeing and not enough about the actual event and the goings on behind the scenes. We're going to lose our audience. So let's let's. let's Let's pick up the pace a little bit. I'm saying that for myself, my own benefit as much as you. Hey, I, yeah, I'm chugging the monster over here. And, uh, I just, when you have, you know, Jimmy, when you have a nitro where you have Jimmy graffiti in eight minute matches, it's not doing us any favors, Eric. No, that is a good point. This would have, this would have served us. This would have served its purpose in about four minutes. Exactly. And I mean, he's done every wrestling spot known to man, but I think this is it. Malenko, he's going for the Texas Clover Leaf, and uh, Meltzer gives this one two and three-quarter stars. It is over, and my God, Eric and I are out of this one as Eric takes another drink. Oh, the coffee is so good. It's the Pep Boys Power Pin of the Week. Thanks, Manny, Mo, and Jack. It's coming here shortly. Uh Paul, Paul, as we, we, you know, we, we talked about how many people are in attendance in your research. Um, do you happen to know how this show rated? I do. I do know how it rated. What did we do? It rated very well. Um, it was a three point, hold on, let me get down here. It was a 3.2. Uh, and it did this to, there it is the pep boys power pin of the week, 3.2 to a raw, which did a 2.6. So in 1996, we were stomping a mud hole, my friends, stomping a mud hole head to head. And by the way, and, and this, and and this was some notes that I had towards the end, this must've been a great nitro and Halloween havoc must've come off really good because the very next week you jumped from a 3.2 this week to a 3.6 raw went from a two, six this week and dropped to a 2.0 the following week real competition it's exciting so there you go eric it's fun all boats float higher what's the saying all All uh, rising tides it's something about all ships rise with high uh, we're butchering this shit we're we're killing it we're yeah we need more drinks good saying (laughs) there it is the saturday night with the the terminator arm like that that was a cool look for saturday night programming 605 tbs we'll promote 83 weeks on youtube.com well eric up next we're going ddp versus sergeant greg Pittman. the hits keep on coming on this nitro and uh diamond dallas page here this is really just a backdrop because again nick patrick is 
the referee, and you're going to watch some fun stuff here with Nick Patrick. Oh, this is for those of you who are not watching along with us. DDP is coming out, and this is when he still had when he was the kaleidoscope of gimmicks. It looked like when DDP came out, it looked like he had spent the entire week shopping around the country at dollar stores looking for cheap gimmicks, and then he would try to wear each and every one of them to the ring to get himself over DDP. You know, I love you, brother. You're probably going to hear about this, but it was just ridiculous. And I'm so glad that he found his true character character and became really before the rock did the people's champion. He's wearing cotton candy, pink colored tights, just for those to paint the picture that are not watching with a vest that is lined in cotton color, candy color, pink coloring as well. And uh, to Eric, no, he had the, you know, he had the sunglasses, those round like John Lennon's sunglasses, and he came out with a cigar and he was doing his peacock walk. And <laughs> you know, the only thing he didn't have was a couple, you know, strippers from a local strip club to That's walk right. him down to the ring. He must have, he, he must have got to Mankato late that, that week. <laughs> Listen, and the complete opposite look, a hundred and you know, 360 degree USMC proud Sergeant Craig Pittman's making his ring down the way to the ring in his camouflage pants with Teddy Long, who, by the way, looks like he's been eating pretty well at this point in his career. Do you know that Teddy just celebrated a birthday last month? He's 74 years old now, Eric. Get out of here. Really? That's correct. Yep, 74. Teddy, Teddy Long, happy birthday, buddy. great. I say, you know, I, not on the phone, but Teddy and I exchanged texts, and, you know, we, we have this little thing, and we may have talked about it before here, but, like, on Christmas morning, you know, it's always a rush to see who wishes who a Merry Christmas first. And ah. this past Christmas, I actually was up till midnight and I sent it so that at like a 1205. You win. I won for the first time. I won. The competitor. And I get up every morning and I on Christmas morning and say, Merry Christmas, play it. And I'm like, oh, shit, he beat me to it. So last year I beat him. So that's cool. So that's always been your your thing with with Teddy. Yeah, we've stayed close. And, you know, I see nice. him from time to time on the road. I have a lot of great memories working with Teddy. We, we became pretty good friends. He used, to, he used to come over to my house when Garrett was young, and he'd bring Garrett a bunch of his old do-rags. Garrett, at one point, had a, had a, a chest filled with do-rags. Most of them he got from Teddy. And, of course, Garrett would wear them around the neighborhood. <laughs> That's great. But, yeah, Garrett, love it. Garrett loved Teddy. What's the hold up? Do you need me to spell it out for you? It's G E I C O.com. That's where you save money. Geico.com. And Teddy, just so long in the wrestling business. I remember watching him in the Crockett days in the eighties as a referee. And then he becomes so prominent with us as a SmackDown general manager. He's a hall of famer for God's sakes. It's and deservedly so man, yeah. he, he's seen it all done it all. And he's a good human being. I'm very proud of him or I should say proud of him because his success has nothing to do with me, but I'm proud for him. And he's still active in the business, man. He's got, uh, he's associated with a promotion and I see them promoting stuff all the time. So good for Teddy. And I think what's fun to watch if you are watching along with this match with DDP and Craig, as they're mixing it up is kind of the growth here at DDP. Uh, you can see his in-ring work just getting better and better and, yeah, it's getting more solid, you know. Yeah. And if I was if if I were to be sitting down with young talent right now and looking back at this match, if we were studying the growth of a character and the 
evolution of a performer, DDP would be a great person to study because you can go back and, you know, watch his in-ring work and look at his character before he really found himself. And, and at this point here in 96, you were absolutely right, Paul, in pointing it out is that DDP's in-ring work was getting really, really solid. He wasn't wasting too much time, you know, strutting around the ring. And here's my pet peeve. I don't think I've ever talked about this on any podcast. I have certain pet peeves in life and, and particularly in wrestling. And whenever I see a talent, male, female, doesn't matter, come to the ring and start raising their arms and begging the audience to react to them, it's like the most amateur move in the world. Mm. You know, and to, to me, it, it it's like the talent's acknowledging that they're not really over and they need the crowd to artificially make it seem like they are. And it's a tell, you know, and I still see a lot of talent doing it to this day, but I never see top talent doing it. It's always the younger talent, the mid-card talent, people that don't have a tremendous amount of experience working in front of a big crowd because they want that reaction. They want that pop. And whether they're heels or babyface, you know, to come out there and kind of raise their hands, go, come on, come on, cheer for me, cheer for me. is like, yeah. tell. Yeah. Not over yet. So well, what is what? If you're, go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say, what is over is this match, Eric. Probably the fastest match on the card so far. DDP picks up the win with the Diamond Cutter. Go ahead. No, I, that's all right. I, I, was probably just babbling anyway. <laughs> you know, but you're absolutely right. Those that are begging for the, the crowd's involvement, but here's Teddy long going after Nick Patrick and my goodness, Nick Patrick put on a total sell job with everything he did in this match with the neck injury on the counting of the three. They're going at it. Teddy long here, the diamond cutter, just the Let's way hear this. Let's jump in on this. Let's do it. Hey, you, know you can hear him right there. Nick Patrick told Teddy long. You're the reason the problem existed. Teddy Long popped up on the apron. Oh, that's too bad. Let's we missed the, we missed the best Let's part of that interview. Oh, we'll, here we go. Bed. No, here's more. Thanks a lot, Nick. Uh, with a bad neck and now a bad lower back, I'm not so sure how you can perform. Do you realize that Diamond Dallas gave up just a few seconds ago? Do you realize that? I didn't hear him give up. I turned around. I saw the man had made it to the ropes. Now, if Teddy Long would have stayed in his corner, perhaps I could have paid a little bit more of attention to what was going on, but he insists on jumping up and down the apron and running around ringside. Okay, let me say this. Second week in a row now, NWO Saturday night, it is very obvious to me and to the fans that you are the man behind the mask. You are the NWO referee. I am not the NWO referee. I'm in twice the shape that man is. That has to be Randy Anderson, and I don't like your accusations. You know what happened to the last announcer that come out here and started hurling accusations at me. May, I think it's pretty obvious, fans. We do have to take a commercial break. Back with more Nitro Live Jam. So I I, I know that wasn't like a major angle, but what a great job. I can't say enough about Nick Patrick. Not scripted. That was all improv. He knew his story. He knew his character. Tony threw the question at him or challenged him, and Nick just went off on his own and did a fantastic job. Nick Patrick should be teaching young talent, how to do promos somewhere. What do we got going on here? Bring me up to speed. What's the NWO doing to beat the shit out of Ric Flair? Well, that was yep. a couple weeks ago. It's Vincent. Oh my goodness. He's running. So he's made his debut. They're showing the beat down on Ric Flair. We're about to jump into how Ric Flair here. Let's talk. Listen to this. On Nitro last week. What Jeff Jarrett did on Saturday night. 
well, Giant, I'm an impact player. And you're going to find that out at Halloween Havoc. I've never said I was the biggest. I've never said I was the strongest or the tallest. But from day one, Giant, I said I was the smartest wrestler alive today. <laughs> oh, yeah. And at Halloween Havoc, when I find a way, and I will find a way to chop you down to size, when I slap that figure four leg like on you, oh, you and the rest of the stinking NWO, that's right, you're going to respect Ric Flair. You're going to respect WCW and the wrestling heritage that goes way back. And I wanted to go on to say that. So it was the beatdown of Ric Flair in the backstage, hence the injury angle there with him and bringing Jeff Jarrett into the Four Horsemen. Uh, and we're going to get a matchup here. And it's, by the way, see Tony Schiavone running around as much on the mic? Oakland is not, is not around at this time period. It's it's all Schiavone. See, it feels like AEW all over again. Here's Ron Studd minus the toilet paper making his way down to the ring. Now, we, we can't move on without discussing the hideous fucking gimmick that Jeff Jarrett was wearing at the time. He looked like a Chippendales dancer. That was the most ridiculous gimmick I have ever, ever seen. Just ridiculous. And I, I, I never understood it either. No one ever before him or after him has worn that stupid. Well, I, that's what, I mean, how would you not understand why nobody after him wore it for God? Look at that. It's the most hideous <laughs> shit. Does he not look like a dick dancer at some cheap strip club for women in Las Vegas? Come Who told on. him that looked good? Who? Uh, I don't know. Oh, my God. I'm with you. I, 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 let, hey, I let it happen. I let it happen. So I oh, oh, you did. It wasn't the committee. It wasn't Kevin Sullivan. No, well, it, it might have been, but I, it doesn't matter who, who I let it happen. I could have oh. said no, but I didn't. Oh, my goodness. So here we go. This is another all time. We're hitting some big matches. This, this card, this watch along Ron Studd and Jeff Jarrett. If Jim, if uh, Jimmy graffiti wasn't enough. Can you imagine what's going through Jeff Jarrett's mind right now, knowing that he's in there? And, and Ron Reese is a great guy, great guy, but tough to work with. Number one, he was so damn big, and he was green. He was not a really super experienced talent, didn't have a large repertoire. Repertoire. It just sounds so sophisticated. Repertoire. But, uh, yeah, I, I would imagine Jeff was feeling a little bit challenged here. Well, here comes Nature Boy right into the ring, and Ron Reese is exiting stage left. Let's listen to this. Let's, Let's listen, listen to, to this for sure. The stud took off. What do we got going on here? Is Flair asking him to leave or what? Maybe, maybe Flair doesn't like the fact that he's uh, kind of strutting his stuff. I guess that's what he's doing. He's asking him to strut his stuff. It's the strut off. Yeah. Oh, I thought we were going to get a promo. Let's there is, out there is one comment. A promo. And Jeff Jarrett. Here we go. We can critique their struts. Little strut our stuff. Well, you know what they say? That imitation is the biggest form of flattery. Now, now Jeff Jarrett, by the way, but his strut was modeled going. after Jackie Fargo, not Ric Flair. So it was different than Flair's. So where did Ric Flair get his strut from? Flair's great career. I think it was just his, his own. Oh, oh, get his strut. 
Look at him. A little skip to it. Yeah, they, yeah, there's a little hitch in Rick's giddy up. Yeah. The only difference between the two. So are you going to tell me that Ric Flair didn't get the Ric Flair strut from Jackie Fargo? Jackie Fargo had to be very in- influenced Ric Flair without a doubt. Those two struts, with the exception of the little hitch in the giddy up about on the second step. Watch the Rick wide, Flair. how wide though. Look, watch here he goes again. Is, is, is he going to do it here? Watch Jeff's again. It's more of a wide step and kind of a lean. I can't believe we're breaking down. <laughs> Look Those at his arm. Exactly swing. the same. Come the on. arm swing. Look at the arm swing. The arm it's, swing. I think Jeff did have a little bit more of an arm yeah. swing. Yeah. Now versus more to the middle, and then he's got the little skip. No, and he's now Rick's got one going. He's got an Ali shuffle mixed into it. <laughs> that Ali shuffle sets Rick Flair miles apart. It does. From, he's got that shuffle era. in. Now they're going head to head. The bleach blondes. Whose nose is bigger? Well, oh, this is unbelievable. Oh my God. It's the battle of the beaks. <laughs> <laughs> it was the struts. Now the beaks, they shake oh, we hands. We didn't get a promo. I thought we were going to get a it's, promo. It's coming. It's after this match. I, I right. do. I do remember that. But now Ron Reese is back. He says, if you guys are done, I'm going to get my 30 seconds and my paycheck out of this. Do you own your home? Go to Geico.com. Do you rent your home? Go to Geico.com. Do you have a car? Go to Geico.com. Want to save some money? Go to Geico.com. Any idea what Ron Reese is doing nowadays? If you know what? I don't know what Ron Reese is doing. Uh, we had a Yeti running at one of the star casts and there was toilet paper everywhere. I do remember <laughs> that. Oh my goodness. Everybody right now, if was- you're not watching along, Jeff Jarrett in there with Ron Reese, we got an Irish whip. Ron Reese hooks the rope, puts on the brakes and Jeff is going, uh Oh, this isn't going to work. And Reese reverses it off the ropes. Reese has got Jeff Jarrett by the neck, picks him straight up, demonstrating the incredible power that Ron Reese brought to the ring. Jeff Jarrett, not sure what to do with it. And Ron Reese just throws Jeff Jarrett across the ring like a bag of trash. And he's ready to, what is he trying to do? Here's the thing about Ron Reese. When you look at him, Ron, I don't remember how tall he was, six, seven, six, eight, six, nine, whatever. But he had the same length of arms as a guy who's five foot ten. It's really weird. <laughs> his build height is seven two. Builds is yeah, but he's his arms look like they came yeah. off a guy you know that was five nine or five ten. It's kind of he, freaky to look at. But he, Jeff Jarrett now going for a power move, a power move on a much much bigger man, and Jeff is fired up. He executes. Jeff's in control now, and yeah. what's he going Big for? He's going for the figure four. He's calling for it. He's posturing to the crowd. He's asking the crowd to cheer him on, which is okay because he's a heel. And you know, you they'll usually work the other way. I think he was a heel here, wasn't he? This is he is, and this is like one of the first times someone gives up to the figure four, Eric. <laughs> Ron Reese, trained by Big John Stud, would actually win a tag team championship, by the way, with your buddy, your creation, Glacier, at Turnbuckle Championship Wrestling one day. So there you go. Little nugget on Ron Reese. Turnbuckle Championship Wrestling. I forgot all about that. <laughs> so did everybody else. Jeff Jarrett with the win. And, man, he's wearing those stripes, those bars, loud and proud. He's ready to go do some dick dancing after this night. Oh, my gosh. It's just hideous. Big victory for Jeff. Good old Double J. And I think we're going to get some Ric Flair on the mic here. Somebody's coming down. Somebody's talking. Good-looking crowd there. Mankato's not a big city. It's a college town. So you, you could expect that you're going to get a, a decent sized crowd, but here it's we go. Mostly, a, mostly a rural community. Here we go. Double breasted. Here he comes. Yeah. Come on. Strut on through here. Jeff Jarrett. I know you realize the importance of your first big matchup in WCW coming up against the giant. 
We're inside a week, six days and counting. The big bad giant. Oh, yeah. Well, it's time for Jeff Jarrett to put up or shut up. It's time for WCW to start playing some offense instead of all defense. It's time for everyone who's ever watched Ric Flair, who respects Flair, who respects WCW, to start being the hunters instead of the hunted. And Halloween Havoc, he's taking Hall and Nash out. Savage is taking Hollywood out. And Giant, I got a big bullseye right on your leg. That's right, I'm telling you. I'm putting a figure four on you. And you may be thinking, you're gonna choke slam me. You've choke slammed them all, but you had choke slammed Jeff Chair. And I guarantee you, you won't do it in Havoc. How about it, Nature Boy? Rick Flair, it's good to see you out here. We gotta have it silent here for a minute. Cause I want the NWO to hear every word comes out of my mouth tonight. Last week, I sat home and I saw a man stand up and talk good about Ric Flair. That don't happen in life. In our sports, we don't cry. We don't ask for forgiveness. We just keep on keeping on. Now, you know what? Sometimes we get so good at what we do in life then we take everything for granted. So the NWO, I'm gonna tip my hat off to you. You outsmarted the horsemen, you outflanked us, and worst of all, you played the game dirtier. And thus far, you've won. But starting Sunday night, when I get off that operating table and go to Las Vegas to stand in Jeff Jarrett's corner, everybody in the NWO, remember, for every ounce of blood, for every stitch I take, the day I can get back in that ring, along with a man like Jeff Jarrett and the horsemen, we will kick the NWO's ass. We're gonna be in Vegas side by side all night long. Oh, yes. Back with more live on Nitro. How about this? After this timeout. And there's the giant as we concluded that interview. And that was an interesting interview. I think Rick turned himself into a pretzel getting Jeff over there, and he did a great job of it. I don't think Rick Flair could have done any more uh, to try to position. Jeff Jarrett, but you had the the giant kind of standing up in a crowd, looking down over the the melee. Interesting enough, though, you know, looking back at now, you know, I was kind of questioning myself, why the hell would they put Jeff Jarrett in there with Ron Reese? And I think it made a lot of sense now, yeah. knowing that we're you know Jeff was getting ready the for giant. the giant. I would have liked to hear the announcers, and maybe they did because we didn't listen to the the color and play by play on that. But uh, that would have made sense from a creative perspective to have Jeff in there being challenged by a much bigger opponent, kind of a warm-up match, if you will. They said, um, uh, the Observer said, it's the first Flair promo in a while that actually sounds like Flair. It was Rick starting. Uh, they felt like Rick was starting to lose his confidence maybe at this point. Mel Meltzer gave this a dud. So there you go. And if you're, if, if you're not watching along, 
I, I encourage you to go to Peacock, you know, look for this particular episode because it was the first and only time you'll ever see me wearing red under a sport coat. Looks ridiculous. Red is not my color. I don't know why I did it. I I, I just I hate the color red when it comes to clothing. But here I am <laughs> in a gray sport coat. Where's my leather jacket? Oh, wait a minute. This is this is before I'm in the color scheme of what we're doing here there, Eric, with this whole background, the red and the gray match your whole 83 weeks brand. No, it, no it's very, you know, very complimentary to the that. graphics package you guys have built. And yes, you know, <laughs> little, little background here. As we get ready for this hour, number two, there's something interesting going on in Mexico that will definitely, uh, directly affect WCW, Eric Conan and Antonio Pena have a split in regards to their business interest in AAA. And Conan is taking the WCW talent and opening promo Azteca. What do you remember of all this going down? And did it affect anything with you and the luchadors and any changes made? Were there any changes made? No, I, I mean, I w- obviously I was aware of it, but I wasn't watching what was going on in Mexico very closely at all, you know, um, but certainly w- was aware of it. I was disappointed because I had met Antonio Pena a couple times. Uh, Antonio came to, Disney MGM studios during one of our tapings early on and, you know, gave me a very nice gift and was just so gracious and a very nice guy. So I was disappointed, you know, that there was a split, but again, I wasn't paying close enough attention to the business in Mexico because it frankly didn't matter to me. Um, As long as I had the talent that I needed and they were under contract to me uh, out of Mexico and I had Conan to kind of manage that process, whatever happened in Mexico was not a big concern of mine. Well, Eric, this is one that I have been looking forward to this whole entire watch along. And this is Roadblock versus Lex Luger. And I'm going to tell you why. A clip of this match went around on Twitter recently with Roadblock, who, by the way, is making his Nitro debut here against Luger. But before we get into this match, I want to share with you Roadblock's path to professional wrestling from The Observer. He's best known in wrestling for about 10 years ago when the WWF was doing a TV taping in Rochester, New York. He wanted to be a pro wrestler and Hulk Hogan blew him off at the gym that day. So he went to the show and just as Hogan was about to wrestle one man gang, he ran into the ring and he took one man gang down and he was pounding on one man gang and slick jumped on his back and he was beating him with a cane and it was having no effect on this guy. I guess that's one way of getting noticed, huh? Kids don't try this at home type thing. Can you believe that? Yeah. Talk about forcing yourself into the business. That was a my goodness. Interesting move. So roadblock is gigantic and it's not exactly six stars in the Tokyo dome here, but you're going to watch this as we go. And it takes Lex Luger three times to get him in the rack. We're going to listen to this because the crowd gets into it. Each time it doesn't work, the crowd reaction is going to get stronger and stronger until he finally gets him in the in the rack, and the crowd goes absolutely bonkers. Isn't that fun though? That's you know basic psychology, nothing unique, but it's really fun to watch it work. <laughs> so, do you think stuff like that is missing in today's environment? By the way, because you know this was something that was supposed to happen on the first time, and it didn't, and it's just natural. Yeah, no, I, I, I think, I think we're missing some of that. You know opportunity for great psychology and just kind of going with the flow just because the fate, the, the, the pace of the matches have really increased, you know, it's just, everything is so fast yeah. that you don't really have the time to milk a crowd the way you used to. 
using psychology instead of begging for it. But um, yeah, I, I'd, I'd like to see more. You always love to see the more audience engagement you can get, the better. I just saw someone recently on Twitter said uh, they asked for a Lex. They wanted a roadblock autograph, but they only want it if they can have it a picture with Lex Luger trying to get him up in the rack. So this is a, just a fun spot that kind of lives on in infamy uh, for a lot of fans. And and we're going to get to watch it here together. Eric, did you remember this at all? Probably. No, absolutely not. I think I put it out of my memory. You know, there's certain things in life, you know, human, the human mind is a really impressive thing in that you can't remember pain. You can remember that you were in pain, but your mind, the human mind, is incapable of re-experiencing that pain. And one of the ways your mind, your brain, protects you is by blocking out certain very painful experiences. This was one of them for me. (laughs) Uh, Brian Hildebrand. Is the referee any good, uh, Brian Hildebrand stories while he was reffing in WCW? No, I don't think anybody has a very many Brian Hildebrand stories because Brian was a true pro. He's great at his work and stayed out of the fray when it came to after hours activities. So you never really heard much about Brian other than the fact that he was a fantastic referee and a super guy. He was great guy. No longer with us. And uh, did a lot with uh, Jim Cornette down in Smoky Mountain Wrestling. Let me spell it for you. G-E-I-C-O dot com. That's Geico dot com. But here comes, I think we're going to watch along a little bit to the commentary here because we're coming into the end of the match. And this is going to be fun to listen to the crowd. He's calling for the rack. Look at the response to the crowd. Awesome. Okay. How much do you want to bet? I don't think he's going to get him up. He won't get him three feet off the ground. This guy weighs, what, four or five hundred pounds on the hoof. Good luck. Back surgery. Come on, Lex. Oh. He's got him. No. Dropped him on his shoulder. He's going for it again. He just slid off. He's powerful enough. He had him up there. He's going for it again. He's punishing him. He's punishing him. Call Triple A. Come on, Lex. I love He's Bobby. Hurt himself if he keeps this up. He is going to hurt himself. Well, he's trying to prove a point, but the last thing he needs is an injury this close to Halloween. He's got, he's, him. Got he's, him. Got he's got him! He's got him! Oh, he's got, got him! him! I can't believe it! I can't believe it! Lux Luger, three times the charm. Yes! Wow. Hey, what do you think Arn Anderson's saying right now? What is going through his mind right now? I tell you what. Three times was the charm, but the crowd went crazy. You guys went crazy. Hildebrand's jumping up in the air, ringing the bell. It was a great yeah, Isn't it funny how something that's actually a mistake can get more over than the original plan? Oh, I that actually had awesome. fun watching that. Yeah. That was awesome. There's a lesson to be learned there somewhere. I don't know what it is, but there is. If at first you don't succeed, try, try again, kids. This man's well over 400 pounds, and look at him. He is, has him up across the fact that he shoulders. was able to do the it at all is impressive. Torture winner Lex Luger and the torture rack. Unbelievable. Lex Luger. Listen to the absolutely call. Absolutely incredible here on Nitro, and we've got more action, more information, more ex- more, 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 more. Shut your freaking mouth, will you? Jeez, man. Talk about a throw to a break. 
I was going to ask, are you, 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 do you like listening, hearing yourself at all? Not a fan. Look, and if you notice the t-shirts, Eric, they don't say new world order under the logo. That was a different, this is a interesting little tidbit here on this, uh, this commercial shoot that, that would yeah, be for those of you who aren't watching along with us. Yeah. This is a, uh, one of those preceding announcements paid for by the NWO where they were putting the shirt over and it was set in that black and white yes. kind of grainy film noir. There's another cool thing. Film noir. Wow. Look, I'm reading these awesome. down. Look at this crowd. This big, big Mankato State crowd on hand here. College kids. They are partying. <gasps> and we've got Lee Marshall. He's on the road. I'm watching a spectacular sunset. Everybody here in the Valley of the Sun, we are getting ready for one week from tonight. When Monday Nitro comes to the America West Arena right here in Phoenix. want to remind everybody it is 5 o'clock in Phoenix, Phoenix time, so make your plans now to be with us in Phoenix. Tickets at the America West Arena, the box office, the usual locations. And by the way, Eric, temperatures will be in the mid-70s. And i got to run because I, I went to high school and college here, guys, so what I've got is a couple of reunion parties. Uh, we are from the home of the undefeated Arizona State Sundowns. I knew you'd have to get that in. Yes, for the 1-800-COLLECT-ROAD-REPORT, I'm Lee Marshall. Thanks, Lee. He you was know, great. Whenever I, hear, whenever I hear Lee's voice, I always go to there, right? Yes. Lee Marshall was the voice of Tony, Tony the Tiger for a long, long time. He had a great voice. Oh man! I and 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 let me see this real quick. Am I, I going to get the audio? And they're ahead, four to one here tonight. So it looks like the Braves are. Uh... <laughs> come on Bobby get back come on so I just caught the tail end of it but this is fantastic Eric Bischoff because you are congratulating Atlanta's own Braves on their World Series victory over New York Yankees and you make a comment we kind of make that a habit around here don't we big wins over New York I love you for that <laughs> that's awesome that's awesome <laughs> So the only time you probably ever mentioned a baseball score on TV. Wow. True. True that. As tell, Teddy would say, true that. Play it. And here we go. It's Harlem Heat versus the American Males are up next in Sherry's outfit. My goodness. Here we go. The tag team champs, Harlem Heat. Can never get enough of Sherry Martell. Every time I get an opportunity to go back and look at a clip of, of Sherry in action, even you know before coming to WCW, she was such an amazing talent. Doesn't get near enough credit for for the statement that she made in in sports entertainment. Really, probably one of the the more successful female competitors out there pre you know this era that we're in now. But for her her time in her era, she was one of the best. Now, Eric, as this match goes to the ring. Bret Hart is in the ring on Monday Night Raw doing his promo about accepting the WWF's offer to return and speaking nicely about WCW during the negotiations that you say didn't happen. From the Observer, Bischoff faxed his last WCW contract offer to San Jose and was somewhat confident as late as Saturday that he was still going to pull the deal out even after the WWF plugged Hart's appearance on Raw and strongly suggested his return to the WWF as a full-timer on its live wire show that morning. 
The reason Bischoff seemed off in the announcing was because he was very nervous. Oh, my God. About how Bret Hart was going to handle his interview since he knew WWF would want Hart to rub it in his face. Sources close to Bischoff said that Bischoff had nothing but good things to say about how Hart handled himself in the negotiations and felt it was very classy how classy how he handled it on television. So are you listening to Brett's interview while this is going on? Because there are long stretches of you being quiet. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. And there's a difference between discussions and a negotiation. That's where I think, uh, you know, I part ways with Meltzer and to a degree, Brett. Did we have conversations? Yes. Was there a negotiation? No. Big difference. Big difference. Hmm. This is the exact moment in time where this is all going down while Brett is on uh, Raw right now announcing all of this. Do you, what do was you, the rating? And what, you, you wouldn't happen to have the head-to-head rating, the quarter-hour rating. Not for the quarter-hour breakdown, I don't. Uh, but we just stopped, you know, Brett or no Brett, we, we just stomped a mud hole in WWE as what would become quite common in 96, 97, early 98. So, uh, yeah, we were doing pretty well in 96. And Stevie Ray doing pretty well in here. Now, this is going to be an interesting matchup. By the way, I hear a lot of weird shit about Johnny Swinger on, on social media. And in fact, somebody close to both of us sent me um, something that evidently Johnny posted. I, 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 I don't know. You, you in on any of the Johnny Swinger scuttlebutt? I am not, uh, just you saying that I just started to look it up to see if I could see what you were talking about, but I have not heard anything about that. All right. Well then let's just leave it alone. Probably just rumor and innuendo. And I am not the purveyor of such. So okay. just ignore everything I just said, because it's probably not true. All right. Time out. I want to talk about my dog, Nikki. Now, any of you who've been following me on social media or listening to me here in 83 weeks for any length of time, know just how close I am to my dog, Nikki tell you a little bit about Nikki. She's a four and a half year old Australian cattle dog, otherwise known as a blue healer. And they were bred in Australia to herd cattle, hence Australian cattle dog. But they were bred to herd cattle in some of the toughest conditions anywhere in the world. And they are triple tough dogs. And so is Nikki. But guess what? She'll only stay that way if I feed her well. Now, did you know that up to 80% of the immune system is influenced by the gut? or that supporting the immune system through proper diet and digestive health enables pets to better fight environmental allergies. Solid Gold is passionate about gut health because a healthy digestive system positively impacts the immune system and the overall wellness of our pets. Solid Gold was the very first holistic pet food company in America started in 1974 by Sissy McGill. Sissy was a trailblazer and a pioneer who completely disrupted a male-dominated industry and created a natural pet food before it was cool. She didn't jump on any bandwagon, she created the bandwagon. Sissy was inspired by the European pet food and the fact that European Great Danes lived longer than their American counterparts. Her first recipe was called Hundenflocken, which means dog flakes in German, and has now provided high quality nutrition and digestive health for over 20 generations of dogs. Solid Gold's nutritional platform is inspired by their founding belief that high quality food is the best way to impact our pets' minds, 
body, and spirit. For over 45 years, Solid Gold has revolutionized the holistic pet food category, and they have a recipe for any dog or cat's dietary needs, including healthy, whole grain, and grain-free options, wet food supplements like seal meal, and 100% human-grade bone broth for dogs. I use that product myself for me. Solid Gold Foods are different because they cleanse the digestive system with whole superfoods, balanced with living probiotics, and fueled with omega-3 and six omega-3 and six fatty acids, supporting gut health and nourishing your pet inside and out. I cannot recommend this product enough. The minute I switched over, well, not the minute I switched over. I would say two or three days after I switched over to Solid Gold, I noticed a completely different level of energy with Nikki. She's healthy, she's happy, she's got a great coat, and doesn't have a lot of the issues that you hear about so often with dogs, with dogs that are eating food, you know, off the shelf that aren't quality of solid gold. So if you love your pet, like I love my Nikki, here's what you do. Right now, save 30% on solid gold products. Go to solidgoldpet.com slash 83 weeks. That's solidgoldpet.com dot com slash 83 weeks and save 30% on solid gold products. Remember solidgoldpet.com slash 83 weeks. You'll be as glad you made that choice as I am. One of the things that you were talking about during this moment, as we're watching the show on the show, you mentioned that the NWO was working to get their own TV slot. Were your thoughts on uh, maybe doing this on Saturday night? or an hour of nitro were the really serious thoughts about making an NWO branded television show or building it into either a nitro or Saturday night show. Well, it was, yes. Um, now the reason for me saying it in, in commentary, or if I just said it in interviews was to kind of just stir the pot and keep the energy about the NWO, take advantage of the momentum that the NWO was creating. But it, it became, you know, I've said this before, I've covered it a million times. You know, the original plan was for, for NWO to take over Nitro and for WCW to be the Thursday Night Thunder Show. Okay. So th- those thoughts were kind of formulating even in 96. But there was no, you know, there was no strategy on the table at that time to do so. Right. Bagwell looking good in here. Marcus Bagwell's might have been perhaps the peak of Bagwell's you know, in-ring performances. Uh, he, he was looking really good, very agile, very quick at his feet, had a good look to him. Classic Marcus Bagwell. We had What's your the, favorite uh, Marcus Bagwell match? Do you have one, Paul? I love that. I love that question. Conrad always goes there. Uh, I don't have a favorite Marcus. There's nothing that comes to the top of my head when I think of him. When I think of him, I think of him trying to take a money bag and run down the hall at StarCast. So, uh <laughs> Oh, easy, easy. <laughs> I'm sorry you asked. Come on. No, that's uh, all right. He was a good tag team wrestler, though, for WCW. And then I also remember once he got into the NWO, his whole top hat, you know, Buff Bagwell and everything he did there. But I always remember him more being a part of a group and less about being a single star. That's fair. Yeah. <clears throat> good yeah, running yeah. clothesline there on a much bigger man. Steve Ray took that running, or excuse me, Booker T took that. Uh, Took that running clothesline really well. Made it look even better than it already was. Great job. Scott Hall and Kevin Nash up in the crowd. If you're not watching alone, that's right. they're up in the crowd. Kevin Nash must have borrowed an Xbox camera. Xbox might have had to take a leak, whatever. Go grab a beer. 
Maybe he had a rat in the back. I don't know. But Kevin Nash, nonetheless, has the camera now and is filming from the crowd. And if, you, if you're not watching with us, let me assure you, everybody in that arena in Mankato, Minnesota, the majority of them have turned their back on what's going on inside of the ring and are watching Scott Hall and Kevin Nash. A perfect indication as to just how popular NWO would eventually become. Do you notice the little detail that they have the uh, the breathe right strips on their nose, similar to Harlem Heat? Yeah, just you know, you, very you inventive, little tongue and cheek, yeah. little shot, you know, kind of that just smarmy, cool kid humor, and it worked for them. Man, that's what that's what helped get the NWO over. It's what made them dangerous because they were cool heels before cool heels were the thing. They invented that shit. And it worked. Look at Scott Hall. It looks so, man, he looks like a movie star there. What month is this? This is October, right? October, yes, sir. So October. Scott Hall still had the little curly razor Ramon. He did. But he had that as a diamond stud, too. So it is not a ripoff. It originated in WCW. That's where it came from. So WWE ripped it off and used it in the portrayal of Razor Ramon, but Razor Ramon, which later became just Scott Hall, maintained ownership of the little curly cue in his hair. Looked like what? a pigtail. And but did did he get rid of the uh the curly cue just to stay away from anything with the you know causing any issues? Yeah, we probably acquiesced because our attorneys our attorneys who you know they're afraid of any kind of com- confrontation or challenge so rather than do their work they just said look just get rid of it it's like yeah all right fine no problem nick patrick doing his best here you know working injured and that's one of the things you know we hear about wrestlers always working injured and it's all true i've seen it a million times i'm sure all of us have at some point or another we hear about guys in the nfl playing hurt because they were committed to the team and look at nick patrick in there overcome obvious Physical pain. Forget about discomfort. Discomfort went out the window a long time ago. He is in serious pain here now and doing a phenomenal job of trying to keep order in the ring. And now Marcus Alexander Bagwell's in his face bitching about who knows what. And Nick Patrick doing his best to stand his ground and keep control of a match that is otherwise uncontrollable. Good job, Nick Patrick. The key thing here is buff. This is a sign for Buff that he's eventually going to turn heel now and join the NWO because he's a second late to break up the pinfall. And that was the telltale start, if you will, of him starting to move to the dark side. Why Buff for the NWO? Do you think he was ready for that type of push? You looking at him as a talent, were you thinking, hey, he'd make a great NWO guy? I wasn't. I thought it would be a good fit, not a great fit. Buff didn't really have the kind of character. I mean, just, you know, forget about what you know of people in their personalities and all that, but just visually, if you're going to cast a movie and your two big stars are Scott Hall and Kevin Nash, what does Buff Bagwell have in common with them? Not a lot. Nothing. You know, Hall and Nash were very authentic. You know, Buff Bagwell was coming off and, you know, in a lot of it, it's not Buff's fault, by the way, at that time. Buff, you know, came into the business. Dusty Rhodes loved Buff Bagwell. Dusty, you know, Dusty liked him because he was that young, good-looking guy that he thought the girls would get with. And Buff played that role very, very well. But it's hard to go from being that character 
and then thrusting yourself into you know a storyline that was really the foundation of which was anarchy and authentic you know kind of representation of these characters kind of a street smart street thug type of guys and buff didn't have any of those characteristics i'm just talking about visually now if you're casting a movie just didn't seem to fit but buff did have great in-ring work he was more than capable of providing an in-ring presentation that was different than Hall and Nash. You know, X-Pac filled that role as well, filled it amazingly well. But we needed more of the types of guys that could get in there and fly and bump. You know, probably not so much fly in, in Bagwell's case, but certainly Bagwell had the ability to go out and do things in the ring that a lot of the people in the NWO couldn't. That's why it made sense. Mm. Meltzer gave it sense. (laughs) Hey, did you go to Geico yet? Get a quick quote. See how much you can save for free at Geico.com. Meltzer gave that match a star. Now here's, yeah, makes sense. Next we have the fantastics Tommy Rogers and Bobby Fulton against the faces of fear. Ming and the barbarian. And of course, Jimmy Hart. Of course, Jimmy Hart. Eric, a few months earlier, we saw the rock and roll express. Who's the guy at this point responsible for talent relations and, you know, just contacting and bringing some of these guys in for these one or two shot deals. We saw rock and roll not too long ago. Here come the fantastics. I'm like reliving my eighties fandom. Who's the talent relations guy who would be responsible for, for, for calling up some of these, these folks, bringing them in. I would venture to guess it would have been Terry Taylor. Okay. Now, Terry, you know, Terry, you know, he was in and out of WCW. He was in and out of favor with me on a frequent basis. So it's, it would really be hard to pinpoint exactly on this particular day. But overall, Terry Taylor was kind of like the contact person on the committee. Hmm. Yeah, we have uh, <clears throat> the Fantastics during the match. Rogers and Fulton don't necessarily look like they're TV ready. The Faces of Fear, they're going to squash him here in about five minutes. Meltzer gives this one again, another one-star match. Tommy Rogers, though, man, he still looked like he was in great shape. He always looked like he's in great shape, and and he's the one that's no longer with us. It's pretty sad. Yeah. So it's it, it's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. You see some people that you can't imagine how they've lived as long as they live, but they keep on doing it. And on the other hand, you see guys that you you know assume were in the best of health, and for whatever reason, they're the ones that you lose. Why don't you think Ming and Barbarian, who were just complete badasses? I mean, they are big, bad. You know, they 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 could destroy anybody in their path. Why don't you think they really connected with the audience in your mind? Lack of bike skills. I mean, you, they had Jimmy Hart, though. I mean, did it? Yeah, it'd be, yeah. Still, no. No, that's not going to work. It's you know, it's great temporary. You know, kind of I'll a fix. Think. Yeah. But Jimmy's interview and promo style at that time would not have lent it lent itself to these two. Yeah. And and you know, I love Jimmy. Jimmy's a great, great guy. And Conrad and I often sing the praises of Jimmy Hart. Um, if you're a local promoter and you've got conventions or comic cons or even independent events and you need somebody to come in that's got a name that'll make the fans feel good, that'll over deliver, Jimmy Hart should be the first person you call. But even in 1996, that Jimmy Hart, you know, presentation as a manager on the mic was just not working. And there was nothing you could do to make it work. 
You know, it worked in the 80s. It worked with Hulk Hogan. You know, it worked with others. But by 1996, Jimmy couldn't get heat if he set himself on fire. Just not, great not, as a cheerleader and everything else that he did. You're right. Yeah, just not there anymore. It's not a uh, Paul Heyman style advocate manager type mouthpiece. Uh, mm. You know, <laughs> not even close. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ming is destroying uh, Bobby Fulton here. It's just taking him apart piece by piece. And at the end of this match, Jimmy is screen, screaming about Mongo. So I thought I'd ask you a little bit. Have you talked to or heard from uh, Mongo lately? Um, I had a brief conversation with Mongo several weeks ago. I was in Houston with uh, Ric Flair and Scott Hall and Kevin Nash, and we were all backstage uh, signing some extra things for the promoter. And Ric Flair came by the table. X-Pac was with us came by the table where we were all sitting kind of relaxing and signing stuff. And, uh, Rick got Mongo on the phone mm. and we all jumped in and, and, and talked to Mongo. So I, I had a brief conversation with him. He's a brave guy. Mongo is, I just, tell you what he's facing this challenge, uh, with the courage and the strength and the attitude. I, I don't know where he gets it, man. Other than he really, truly is not, not, not only was, was he one of the most physical tough players in the NFL when he played for the bears, but he is mentally and emotionally one of the toughest people I've ever met. We were in the uh, green room at top guy weekend and Ric Flair stopped in and put him on speakerphone and FaceTimed him for all of us in there. Yeah, and his the, just the spirits and his attitude and the, where he was with what he was dealing with was just so uh, impressive and encouraging for me to hear a guy with what he's going through and his wife. When you, when you think about somebody dealing with that, but then you also got to think about the spouse and everything and and what she's she's what's on her plate. Um, I don't know. I was just very encouraged to hear. Yeah, when we, we were on the phone with Mongo right, right as we were wrapping up. Um, Mongo says, oh, I, got, I got a joke for you. And I go, oh, no, because I remember Mongo's jokes. They were horrible. <laughs> they were just horrible. Not that they weren't funny, but they were not the kind of jokes you want to tell in, in mixed company or around people that you didn't know really, really well. And I went, oh, this is going to be horrible. And, of course, it was. It was classic Mongo. It was such a – it was a classic Mongo joke. And I, I won't even repeat it here because we'll get me too'd. We'll meet to ourselves if, if, if I were to tell that joke here, but um, the fact that Mongo still has such an amazing sense of humor. I mean, his sense of humor about his situation right. is what makes me admire and respect Mongo more than anything. It's just, it, it's really quite um, fascinating. He's a great human story. Well, the match is over here. Ming and Barbarian go over. No surprise against the Fantastics. Fantastics, thank you for showing up this week. Appreciate your contributions to this card here on Nitro. Terry Taylor, <laughs> great job sourcing talent for the show. They pick up the win. We're going to move into uh, Jeff Farmer and Jerry Lynn coming up here, Eric. But I thought I'd start going into some fan questions that came in to us this week as well. We'll start going through some of those as we finish up the card. Coach Rosie chimes in on Twitter. You and I know who Coach Rosie is. Eric, who all was involved in turning Sting? 
turning Sting, you mean into the, I would assume. Into the Crow character, yeah. Into the Crow character. Um, I would say, first and foremost, that was Scott Hall. Uh, Kevin Nash right there with him. The, The concept really was Scott's. He did the best job of kind of painting the picture of the potential that Scott saw in Sting. But once he started that, you know, and, and, and I remember pretty specifically, I remember being in the room um, when Scott, you know, started laying it out the way he saw that character. Um, I knew right away that we were onto something. Scott, Scott was, when Scott was in his right mind, when he was thinking clearly and, you know, he wasn't hungover or, you know, under the influence one way or shape or form, Scott had one of the clearest, best minds that I'd ever heard of. His psych- his understanding of psychology and character uh, was just like nothing I'd ever heard before. So whenever Scott would get into one of those moods, and it was rare, you know, um, where he was excited about talking about, you know, another character, you know, you'd pull up a chair and you want to hear what he had to say. And I remember it was myself, obviously Steve Borden, Sting, uh, Kevin, Hulk was there. There had been a couple other people there as well. But as as Scott was kind of describing that Sting character, it was easy to visualize. Of course, he was referencing The Crow, which was you know a movie. But I was watching Sting's reaction to it. And, you know, Sting's back started getting a little straighter. He started leaning forward into the conversation. His eyes got a little bit bigger. And I remember thinking to myself, this is going to be perfect. This is not because Sting was often the type of guy when you would sit down and discuss a creative direction or a long, longer-term storyline, um, and certainly with regard to his character, Sting was very analytical. You know, he didn't show a lot of emotion as you were laying something out to him because he was processing it. He thought very carefully about things, and as a result, he didn't show a lot of emotion. You couldn't really read him because he was thinking before he was reacting, and he, Sting would have been a great poker player. Um, but it became apparent early in that conversation. This was unique because this is the, that was one of the first times I saw Sting get visually excited. You know, you could see it just through the way he carried his body and the look on his face. He was instantly attracted to the, to the character and to the story that Scott Hall was laying out in that meeting. And then it became like so many things, a collaboration, but a collaboration that really centered around some of the initial ideations. There's another word. You're not going to hear that on any (laughs) other podcast, folks. You're just not. We live to enlighten, not only with respect to the history of professional wrestling and WCW Nitro in particular and the Monday Night War era in general, but the ability to listen to a show as entertaining as 83 weeks and become enlightened. Mm and learning new words like ideation. I dare you do your research, try to find another wrestling podcast where the word ideation is used and used appropriately. You won't find it. Well, Eric, you're in a mood today. Maybe you should have went to Geico. They make saving money easy and they can help you bundle some policies to do so over at Geico.com. I'm just blessed to be a part of it all. Eric, are you though? Are I you? Am. Do you I not am. feel 
Do when this show is over, are you not going to walk around with your head held just a little higher, your back a little straighter, and a little bit of a bounce in your footstep? Because you know, after co-hosting this show with me, you are a smarter man as a result. I plan to go downstairs and use the word ideation in front of my wife and see if it just makes her a little bit proud of her. Maybe it'll turn her on. I, don't I was know. just about to say, be careful how and when you use that because <laughs> shit can happen. <laughs> Good stuff. They're, they're doing a lot of talking here on Nitro, so I'm going to follow up the question from Lopez, our buddy. He said, 25 years later and Crowsting is just as popular as he was then. What do you think it is about the character that resonates with the audience? I think it's, you know, first of all, that's a great question, by the way. I appreciate it. I think there's a couple things. You know, one is it's still a cool character. You know, it just is on, on, on its own. But it also represents to a lot of people one of the best times in professional wrestling. It It just does. And I think the combination of the fact of, you know, it's Sting, who's been around so long and people love him. They always have. So there's a respect there. It is just a cool character, even to this day. But I think more than anything, because it harkens back to an era that people long for. They want to see that era happen again. They want to experience that juice that they experienced when you had to watch Monday night. Because you had to see what WCW was going to do, and you had to see what WWE was going to do. And we weren't taking chicken shit juvenile pot shots from each other. We were competing head to head. And that, that, that excitement is something that I, people, I think people still long for today. And Sting represents that. So, of course, it's going to get a ton of support. And by the way, in no small part due to the fact that Sting, what is Sting in his 60s now? Early 60s? He is, yes. He is out there delivering and executing. You don't feel sorry for him. You don't go, you're not saying to yourself, oh man, I wish he would just kind of put put the boots away and you know, just be a character on the show without being you don't feel that way. You're excited to see him in the ring. And that has a lot to do with it, trust me. 62 years old is Sting. Incredible wow. what he's doing. He, really incredible. Let's take a quick time out. I want to talk about a product that I absolutely love and a company I'm really proud to be associated with, CBD. And CBD isn't about what you feel. It's about what you don't feel, like stress, anxiety, pain. And I'm going to be honest with you all. I don't have a lot of nagging injuries and aches and pains like a lot of my peers do. But throughout my entire adult life, I've had a real difficult time Falling asleep and staying asleep. Not anymore. Feels CBD is a better way to feel better. See, Feels is a premium CBD that will help you keep your head clear and feel your best. It's hassle-free. It's delivered directly to your door. And CBD naturally helps reduce stress, anxiety, pain, and in my case, sleeplessness. And there's no hangover addiction. You just place a few drops of feels under your tongue and you'll feel the difference within minutes. Now, thing to remember about CBD is that finding your right dose is important. Everybody's dose is different. They all have different body chemistry, metabolisms, and so forth. In fact, Feels offers a free CBD hotline 
that will help guide your personal experience so that you find your perfect dose. The Fields customer service team is dedicated to making sure that you get the best use of your CBD. And joining the Fields family uh, monthly membership makes your self-care easy. You'll save money on every order and you can pause or cancel anytime you want. Start feeling better with Feels. Become a member today by going to feels.com slash 83 weeks and you'll get 50% off your first order with free shipping. That's feels, F-E-A-L-S dot com slash 83 weeks to become a member and get 50% automatically taken off your first order with free shipping. That's feels.com slash 83 weeks. One more time, and I'm going to do this one slow because I want you to write it down. You can thank me next week. Become a member today. Go to feels.com slash 83 weeks. Like I said, you'll get 50% off your first order with free shipping. That's feels, F-E-A-L-S dot com slash 83 weeks. Become a member. Get 50% off your first order with free shipping. Feels.com slash 83 weeks. Speaking of Sting, we have the fake Sting in the ring, Jeff Farmer, and he's against JL, who a lot of wrestling fans know as Jerry Lynn, but he's in a mask here covered up, man. Jerry Lynn, again, what a performer. And now he's also helps backstage with AEW Uh, and the NWO has made their way down to ringside as we're about to pick up the action again, uh, Eric. Hey, I just remembered something. I just realized something. What's that? Sting is professional wrestling's version of Tom Brady. Ooh, I like Don't that you think? Yes. I mean, Tom Brady, 44 years old. He's having a, another career season so far. Mm. But he passed for five touchdowns last week with an injured hand. I mean, what the hell? Never I know he's life. got a lot of great talent around him and a great supporting cast on, to, uh, on his team being Tom Brady. But he's 44 freaking years old, and he's doing things that – you know, would put most 30 year olds out of the business and sting is much the same way, 62 years old. And he's doing things that you cannot imagine a 62 year old man doing, and he's doing it and doing it well. So I proclaim on this day on, on 83 weeks, I want, I want the social media audience, (laughs) the internet wrestling community to hashtag sting the Brady of professional wrestling. So it is, so it shall be written. Sting the Brady of Pro Wrestling. I love it. And say speaking, it now, Sting the Tom Brady. The Tom Brady. Of professional wrestling. Let's be clear about it. I like it. Speaking of Sting, as we watch on our screen, here he is, the first iteration ever of what is to come with the Crow gimmick. White. Oh, this is so exciting. Sting walks to the ring slowly, deliberately. His intent written all across that painted face. You knew exactly what was going to happen. The shit was going to hit the proverbial fan. Oh, my. And Sting, look at the elevation. He is six feet in the air with that elbow drop on a Jeff Farmer who is nothing but in shock. He is a meat puppet at this point. He is just getting his ass whooped by Sting, who has said enough is enough. He no is. More. Wow. Listen to this commentary. Sting is in that badass black jacket, the white paint with just a small sliver of black 
His shirt's inside out, black tights, still a little bit of the the, the, the retro sting pattern, but you can see the involvement is coming. He's got Jeff Farmer and the Scorpion Deathlock. The NWO makes their way in, but they're not attacking him, Eric. They're they want to make it look audience. like now. Now here's what here's what we want the audience to think. Is Sting going to join the NWO? Here we go. Let's take him a little further down that road. We're on the journey, the journey of the moment. Will Sting. Let's hear Ted DiBiase. Let's just drop in. Let's drop in. Let's hear what- We'd like to welcome no. you aboard. See, we could, we could use a man like you. No. Whether you realize it or not, or whether WCW realizes it or not, the NWO is taking over. That That is a fact. You understand? He's not wearing NWO. He's not wearing your colors. He's not wearing an NWO. Look at his face. There's nothing anybody can do about it. Look at his face. You see, if you join us, it's not like going to work for any other company. No. Once you join us, then you're like family. You got something to say to Sting, big man? Stinger, if I may quote my most favorite American poet, Jim Morrison. I think it's time you break on through to the other side. Don't do it. I got a couple of questions. I got a couple of questions for Sting. You've been carrying the WCW banner for nine years and doing a great job. What do you got to show for it? We bring him out a bogus imposter, and nobody knows about that better than us. Because <laughs> hmm. we knew Please. it would get to you. WCW tells you to stick it. We want you to know we're taking over, and with you, there's no stopping us. You jump in W.O., you're NWO for life. Is he going to do it? Is he going to do it? He's gone. The crowd thinks he is because we're doing it. He reached down. That right there is your cheap imitation. You get what you pay for, don't you? The real sting may or may not be in your price range. But the only thing that's for sure about sting is nothing's for sure. What does that mean? He's a free agent. Doing? What does it mean? What's she doing? Teasing him. He didn't say. He didn't say yes. He didn't say no. He may or may not be in he the price. He did not place. say. He did not make the move. Come on, Bischoff. Lay it out there. He didn't say yes, but he didn't say no. That's what the Bischoff, the announcer at that time, should have done. We teased him. We're dragging him along. We're on this journey together. The fans, the talent, everybody. We're on this journey. And what do we know? We know it could happen. Isn't that amazing television? Just it's amazing. Tell me. By the way, a little tidbit here. Not that you asked, but I'm going to give it to you anyway. 
Nash's reference to the song Break On Through to the Other Side, the Doors song, yes, that was in large part because Sting was petitioning professionally, but petitioning to get me to buy the rights to that song to use for the Sting character. So that was that was Kevin Nashley, and I'm going to lay it out there on TV and let the crowd get behind it, and maybe that'll help Sting's cause. So that was a little bro in there from Nash for Sting because Sting really wanted that song. Whether you own or rent, Geico makes it easy to bundle your home and car insurance. Go to Geico.com today. So listen, Eric, that was about, it would take about 13 months to get to that decision. And listen, it's the last time he would speak until 97 or 98 ish. Did you know at this time where it's all going, the radio silence, the rafters, the slow build to the major showdown. Did you know at this point that it would be this slow simmering build to the whole sting persona down the road? I knew I wanted it to be. Okay. You know, again, we were kind of taking it week to week because when was the last time anybody built a, a 12 month storyline or in this case more, it didn't happen. Right. Um, but that was the intent when we laid it out was to build it for as long as we could over a year. But I also knew it may or may not work. So it's what we wanted. It was the original idea. It was the intent going in. But we were also kind of just watching the crowd week to week to week. Could we sustain it? You know, we knew we we thought we could on paper. We thought we could, you know, sitting around in a room talking about it. But thinking you can do it and actually executing it and holding the audience interest, that was a different thing altogether. So as much as we wanted it, as much as we planned for it, we weren't sure we could pull it off. We're going to listen to a lot of this. This is supposed to be Savage versus Benoit in the main event. And here you come over as Savage comes down. Sorry. I'm sorry if I put you on the spot last week. I'm sorry from the bottom of my heart. But I've got something I want you to see. Because I think it tells the story. It paints the picture. And you'll know without any doubt in your mind exactly what Hogan is up to. Just please, before you say anything, before you do anything... Take a look at this. Mm. It's right here, Andy. Hi, Macho Man and the world of NWO. Hollywood Hulk Hogan, international superstar at your service. Right now, we're on the set of the Three Ninjas, and in just a little while, Macho Man, you're going to see Miss Elizabeth's cameo appearance. But right now, brother, I have to have a little talk with my director. Yo, Sean. Get a word with you, brother. Come here. Okay. This is the director of the Three Ninja film I'm doing. Sean McNamara, and you know something, brother? We have a little bit of business we have to talk about. Number one, the schedule that you've got me on. I have a lot of other things I have to do other than do your film. Number one, I have other places I need to be. And number two, since my name is on this film and I'm the king of Hollywood, I don't want it. want one ounce of deficit, one penny over budget. So as of this moment, the NWO is taking over this film, but you need to take a back seat for a moment. Do you understand that? No, I'm not sure what you mean. I'm going to get the shot up with you next, right? No, no. What you don't understand, you're going to understand right now. We're taking over. The giant is going to direct. This is awesome. The giant's going to direct. I'm going to be the producer. And if you have any more questions. I don't have any more questions. Okay. Uh, hi. <laughs> Welcome to the world of Hollywood Hulk Hogan. <laughs> Just watch this guy. Uh, what? Go ahead, give me a measure. 
Oh my gosh, this is hilarious. I want you looking right to Randy when you're talking. This is really okay, well Okay, guys, quiet on the set. Rehearsal's up. Paul, you got your marks? Action! Make me believe. Talk to Randy. I said talk to Randy. The camera's rolling. Time is money. I want you to make Randy believe that you love him. Tell him. Please, stop. What is it going to take for you to stop? Yeah, I want to see you say, I love the nice Macho shot, brother. Make a believer out of me. This is going right to Randy. Lead the lamb to slaughter for me. Tell Randy you love him. Please, stop this. Cut. Oh, this isn't working. No, we're going to have to have a little talk. Come on. You got the right lens on that camera, boy! You know, you, you don't seem to realize how serious I'm about this thing. Look at the physique. You're not watching the wrong with us. You're on your mess around. I want this done. I want it done right here. I think Listen, I can remember you know, more chances. Chance I'm going to cut you a deal. You make Randy believe you. He looks fantastic with a head of hair. I was going to ask you if you thought he looked good or not. Let me tell you something. You look like a handsome son bitch. If you don't do this right, if you don't bring Randy Savage's head to me on a silver platter. You have ruined my life for the second time. Ooh. You've got to stop. Yeah. You do it, Hulk Hogan says. Hey, you deal with hey, me. do me a favor. There's a lot of people around here. Take her back to my trailer. Get her back to my trailer. Get back here. I'll be right behind you. Hey, you guys. Turn that thing off. Hey, lock her oh, in the trailer. She's crying What was that all about out there, huh? What, what, what more do you want from me? You've got to leave me alone. You know, Please. first thing, you better quit playing games with me. You're going to learn that you don't embarrass Hollywood. This is a great scene. Here. I love this. Because I don't remember what Hollywood this. Hollywood wants, Hollywood's going to get. Right now, I don't believe. I want you to make me believe that you can lie here now. And you better go back out there, look in that camera. Please. That's what I want. Make him believe that you love him. That's what I want from you. Leave me alone. Please. You don't understand. You're almost out of time, and you better listen. I think you're the greatest artiste, the greatest director I've ever worked with. This footage you've put together is going to destroy the Macho Man, my friend. You see what I'm picturing right here? Everything that you've done to the Macho Man, it's all the plan for the end. These of guys macho are doing such madness. a great job. You know, Macho Man, we plan it. the work. Now we're working the plan. Elizabeth, the cameo role that I've got for her in my film, The Three Ninjas, now that the NWO has taken over doesn't get it. She needs a little bit more rehearsal time. Now that the giant has my most precious piece of talent, your so-called ex-love locked up in my trailer, I think it's time, giant, that she gets some acting lessons the Hollywood Hogan way. I'm running a little bit behind schedule. As I talk to Liz, as I lead her down the path, the NWO way macho man, who's she going to be thinking about? The macho man or Hollywood Hulk? Hogan, alias Dave Dragon, international superstar. I'll see you in Vegas, Macho Creep. Bye, Macho Man. Oh, my God. Listen, I always, whenever we do these things, I love to listen to Randy's voice. Yeah, you got to hear this. Wow. Randy, I think it's real obvious, man. This guy's ego, whatever existed between you and him in the past, I don't know at all. I don't know all the details, but he's trying to push your buttons, Randy. And I think that tape proved it. She's real, man, no matter what he says. Randy, your thoughts. Randy, one time, man. What, what's going through your mind? Well, quite obviously, the macho man, Randy Savage, I want to apologize to Chris Benoit. He obviously did not come here ready to wrestle tonight. But Wait you can't minute. blame him either. 
Wait a minute. Macho? What's going through your mind, man? Come on. I've never seen him like this. I've got something to say. Just occurred to me how fragile friendships and relationships can be. And you, Eric Bischoff, you and I both know how fragile business can be. Even marriage is fragile. But Hulk Hogan, life is fragile. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Don't Randy. You're not going there. Randy. You can't. You can't mean. He means. Randy. He means it, Mike. No way. All right. Let's get out of here. Again, apologize for those of you who aren't able to watch along with us. But if, if you have a chance, you probably should go back and go over to the Peacock and watch this for a couple of reasons. One is, I think that the setup that we did, as hokey as it was, and it was hokey, and for those of you that didn't have the ability to see it, it was going on location where Hulk Hogan was doing his movie Three Ninjas, NWO, of course, took over, threw the director off the stage and kind of took over the production. And I know it was hokey, right? And I know we were promoting a movie, right? There's probably a lot of reasons why people didn't think that was the right idea. But it was done so well. It was... It was advancing the story. It was kind of tongue-in-cheek, meaning we weren't really taking ourselves too serious, but it was so effective. And I have to say, I don't remember seeing this ever. I'm sure I did, but I don't remember it. But having watched it just now, I thought it was one of Hulk's better performances because he was playing a little different character than what we would typically see in the ring. And he was doing it away from the ring and away from the crowd. So you saw a glimpse into Hulk Hogan that you just typically didn't see. And that had the fact that he had a really cool wig on and he was in phenomenal shape, but his delivery, his timing, and the fact that it wasn't as over the top as we typically would see Hulk in because, you know, for, 25, 30 years, he's playing to the big crowd, whereas here he's playing to a camera. It was, I thought it was really well done. And Liz played her part really well. I thought Giant, talk about a supporting cast member in that scene, did a fantastic job. And keep in mind, Giant was really, really new at that point. And I don't know, man, that was worth it. If you didn't get a chance to watch along with us, we both apologize because sometimes it's a little hard to do these shows justice when we're watching and, yeah. and, and talking about what we're seeing and you at home or you in your car or you in, at work aren't able to see what we're seeing. So there's a little bit of a disconnect. And if there was, we apologize, but I encourage you to go back and watch this show because it was really, really fun. Eric Meltzer would say regarding Hogan's three ninjas pro- promo, Hogan looked more like his grandfather 
No exaggeration. He looked like he was in his 60s, and I couldn't believe he'd let himself be on a wrestling show looking older than Luthez does today. But you thought the opposite. You thought he looked I like thought the opposite. Well, yeah. again, Dave Meltzer can't help himself because his, you know, his personal feelings about Hulk. Yeah, true. He's just going to take every opportunity. But have you seen a picture of Dave Meltzer? I have. Is, is no, that a guy that should be commenting on anybody's looks? Understood. Randy cuts his amazing promo. It closes the show. What a way to finish. That's the type of promo that sells pay-per-views. I mean, it was end credits, no words. It just faded out the black. From the Observer after the show, Hulk Hogan had signed a three-year deal with WCW four days before Halloween Havoc, spurning a supposed five-year offer from the WWF. You're negotiating with Hogan and Savage between this Nitro and Halloween Havoc. You're obviously also negotiating with Roddy Piper at this time. He's going to make his debut at Halloween Havoc, and you're about to set a gate record at Havoc. Is this one of those things you look back at now, and you're negotiating with three of the biggest stars in the history of the business and about to set a gate record for the company and think, man, this show is a major freaking success. No, I mean, it felt good. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> and we had turned the corner, obviously, and we achieved something that up until that point or since nobody else had ever been able to, to achieve, which was outperforming the WWE on national television. Um, so we, I certainly was aware of that, but things were happening so fast and moving so, pa- so fast. I never really took the time to go, wow, we did yeah. this. Or, or I never had the sense of that we had arrived because things were moving so fast. You're constantly thinking about the next show, the next pay-per-view, pay-per-view after that. And I, I never really took the time to go, wow, as I pat myself on the back in case you can't see this, I've done this. It was never that ever. Well, listen, this was a big show. I know we had some some different matches in it, but we see the first time we see Crow Sting. Jericho's in there, early Jericho. We had lots of Hogan Savage stuff. Uh, you get the NWO shirt in the commercial. It doesn't say New World Order, just the three letters. Six is filming for the first time. We advance the Patrick uh, Nick Patrick heel ref storyline, and then uh, the build to Halloween Havoc. So really good stuff here. Lots moved on. In this one. So, Eric, let's get to those fan questions, the rest of them, to round out this week's episode. Uh, we get Charlie Thrower in, and he says, Mr. Bischoff, was it by design or complete accident that Macho and Sting had similar looks that night? So they're both wearing all black. A complete accident. <laughs> you know, I, I guess, yeah, it's true. They did, but I don't think anybody confused Sting for Macho Man. So there we go. Ringside rant. Are you surprised that Jericho has reinvented himself so many times? Not really surprised. You know, I guess, you know, back in 1996, I would have never imagined it, um, nor even thought about it. But, you know, looking back, I don't know how anybody could look at Chris Jericho's career and not admire him for his ability to change his character, but do it in a relevant way, you know, and build upon things that he had done in the past. He's done a fantastic job when it comes to reinventing and and maintaining relevance in all of the characters that he's created. All right. Mark B is up next, Eric, and he says, on a scale of 1 to 10, how would you rate Sting's tan on this show? 
Uh, I think I would have given him about a six, maybe a seven. There was, you know, there was a tan there. Of course, Sting was living in Atlanta. This was still October. A lot of outdoor stuff. Sting he sort of liked to ride his Harley in a beautiful home up north of Atlanta. So he spent a lot of time outside with the kids. So he still had, you know, a, a respectable tan. Not necessarily a great TV tan, but nonetheless still respectable. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I can't believe this is real, but we not only got a handicapper, but we got the best ever Wayne, give our listeners your background. And, uh, I know they call you the king of Vegas sports betting. That's quite a handle. It is. Hey, Conrad, how are you? It's, it's a great honor to be with you to be on all these wrestling podcasts, been excited about this all week long. It's just great to be here. Uh, I think your audience is my audience. You know, my audience for 35 years has been macho testosterone driven guys who uh, who love football and hitting people and i ufc and wrestling and boxing <clears throat> so i think we got the right bullseye here i think we got the right audience to uh to talk about sports gambling with so i'm very excited and, and my background is that i've been in this business 35 years i've been the king of vegas gambling as the media calls me king of vegas sports gambling and I've got the star on the Vegas Strip to prove it. How's that for an honor? And that's what I've been doing for 35 years on TV, on radio, now on the internet. Everywhere you look, you'll find Wayne Root talking sports gambling. It's been a great run. And what did Don King always say? Only in America. I'm the most <laughs> patriotic guy on the planet Earth. God, I love this country. You know, this couldn't happen in any other country in the world. A guy picks football winners and he winds up with a star on the Vegas Walk of Stars. Pretty amazing. And, and by the way, one other thing, if you're a little bit older, if you're younger, you probably don't even remember Jimmy the Greek. But if you're older, you remember Jimmy the Greek Snyder, who was the number one Vegas odds maker in the world on the CBS NFL pregame show for like 20 years with Brent Musburger and Phyllis George and Irv Cross. And I watched that show as a kid and I said, I want to be that guy, speaking of only in America. And the next thing you know, there's an article about me as the betting whiz kid and, uh, you know, the, the kid who could beat Jimmy the Greek. And it winds up in newspapers all over the United States of America. And fast forward about 10 years later, I'm Jimmy the Greek's partner on national TV. Him and I on CNBC did a show every week uh, going over the sports gambling picks. And I hit 77% best bet winners for two seasons. And that catapulted my career and the rest is history. Thank you, Jimmy the Greek. Rest in peace. He was my partner. So I, I got to ask, how are you so good at handicapping these games? I mean, four and oh, that's quite a streak already. Well, uh, you know, let's talk about every pick I've given this year in the NFL, as an example, 23 and eight, every pick I've given this year, four weeks in the bag, 23 and eight. There's nobody in the country that can match what I do, but I always make sure because anybody, Conrad, could make up anything. They could tell you and blow smoke and tell you, oh, I'm the greatest. But I am independently monitored and documented. So nobody could ever question what I say and go, I don't believe it. I send every pick to an independent monitoring and documentation service that has to get the pick before the game goes off and then publishes it after the game goes off. So anybody could see what I gave. And those picks for the year, every NFL pick so far, 23 and eight, uh, four and oh, with my games of the year, and then most importantly, primetime games. Everybody likes to bet Thursday night football, Sunday night football, and Monday night football. They like to put it all on the line on the game on national TV. And I'm 12 and one on those games, over 90% winners. I don't have the percent in front of me, I think it's like 93%, 94%. 12 and one. So, how's that? How about those for some numbers? 23 and eight, 12 and one, four and oh. 36 years in this business, 
I've always been great at it, but this is the best start I've ever had. I've never been this good to start a season. You don't win every week, four weeks in a row, everything you put out. It's been the kind of year I've had. So get on a hot streak because when a guy's on a hot streak like me, you want to ride it. I don't know about you guys, but I'm going to Vegaswinners.com right now. Let's win some money. This is a, this is a well, interesting question, a thought out question here from Eric. If you could go back and either eliminate, reduce, or double down on five things in your tenure at WCW with full creative control, what would they be and why? Oh no, I can't even go there. That's a lot. That's that's a lot. Yeah. Sorry. It's a great question, but I, that might have to be its own bonus episode one day. Yeah. That really would be a bonus episode. There you go. Good question though, Eric. Maybe we'll get to that though. At some point, Corey Craddock is up next. He said, why was Randy Savage portrayed in such emotional turmoil on the show? And then the first time we see him at the Halloween havoc pay-per-view that Sunday, he's cutting slim Jim promos and back to his old self again. Well, I don't know. You know, I've been in situations throughout my life where I, in any given moment, I'm overwhelmed by the circumstances and, 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 and I let my mood and, and even my actions um, kind of betray those feelings and emotions. Anybody's standing around watching me, but I've also been in those situations and realized that business is business and I can't let my, my emotions, however down I'm feeling or angry I am, you can't let those emotions win. You have to keep carrying on. And I think what we saw out of Randy Savage was a guy who was, you know, he was truly under a tremendous amount of an emotional stress because of what was happening, what Hulk Hogan did in the trailer with, with Liz. And his love for her was still strong. But yet, man, you got to go out and pitch meat. That's right. That was a joke, Paul. Yeah, yeah. Pitching meat. That was a punchline in there. Sorry, Eric. I uh yeah, no, good one. <laughs> no. <laughs> now Jared. that was a joke. <laughs> Listen, speaking of jokes, um, keep pounding twenty-two is up next. That really is his, his Twitter. Keep underscore pounding twenty-two. Jeremy says, You said that you wanted NWO to have their own show. Who was they who was they gonna wrestle? Each other or WCW guys? It would have never worked, by the way. So who was they going to wrestle? He wants to know. I'm reading word for word. Oh, gosh. (laughs) The idea was to have an MWO franchise. There would have been people that would have wrestled on that show who weren't necessarily a part of NWO, but were wrestling for an opportunity to become a part of the NWO. It's not that hard to figure out. Well, maybe for you, because obviously the English language is a challenge, but right. whatever. Last thanks for the question. Though. Yeah. Thanks for the question. Keep pounding 22. Ben is our last question of the week, and then we'll wrap it up. He says, Eric, what do you think it was at this time in WCW that held Jeff Jarrett back from breaking through into the top tier of talent besides the outfit? That was it. There was, was nothing it. else. That outfit. I'm surprised that I'm surprised he could even walk around the building with that gimmick on. No, that was the only thing. Jeff Jarrett could have risen to the top. Jeff Jarrett could be on, he could be on anybody's list, a uh, uh, Mount Rushmore list, had it not been for that ridiculous Chippendales gimmick. That took him back, much like the Johnny B. Bad character did for Mark Marrow. Once you see that, you cannot unsee it. You will forever associate 
Chippendale Dick Dancers with Jeff Jarrett. And that's enough right there to keep you off of Mount Rushmore. Well said. I, I, I agree. Well, Eric, next week. Sorry, October, Jeff. <laughs> yeah, we love you, Jeff. But yeah, we're Eric and I are in agreement there on the outfit. Next week, it's October 1999, and I know you're going to love this one. It's the first Nitro that Vince Russo was in charge. Are you ready for that one? Oh, God. Sure, let's do it. Let's have fun. Check out at 83 Weeks on Twitter. Guys, don't forget, right now, as soon as you're done this show, go to 83weeksonyoutube.com and help Eric out. Subscribe. Let's get him over 100,000 subscribers. Come on, right, Eric? Let's do this. I'm begging you, please. I'm begging you. Oh, I love it. If you're a fan of Eric's podcast or wrestling nostalgia in general, or looking to connect with great fans like yourself, do it at adfreeshows.com. You get all of Conrad's seven podcasts early ad free and on video. You can do this watch along that we watched. You can see the Dick dancer roadblock and all this amazing stuff. We watched today for as little as $9 a month. That's 30 cents an episode. And you're, if you're looking for even more, we got tons of exclusive bonus content as well. Live experiences from your favorite stars of the past and present. It's the community you want to be a part of. Eric's there. He and Jeff are about to do another fun watch along from a 1996 WCW match as well. So guys, check it out. Join ad-free shows. Eric, anything else you have before we wrap it up this week? No. Go out. You're enjoy your life. Be safe out there. And I'll see you next week. Guys, he's Eric Bischoff. I'm Paul Bromwell. And this has been 83 Weeks with Eric Bischoff. We'll see you next week. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.